Hey everybody, I don't usually do this, but uh, we had some technical difficulties where I'm pretty sure we missed out on a good uh, 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. Um, I still thought it was important to put this episode out this week, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's a pretty special guest, and I hope you enjoy the episode and the guest and just listening to an intro for once. Alright, goodbye now. You're now rocking with tdfeverything.tumblr.com. And I actually did play the theme song this time. We are rolling. <laughs> we are good to go. Uh, everybody. Oh, man. It's uh, been Don't a quite start. a no, you don't push start yet. Um, I'm just going to introduce you. I, I don't use last names or anything. If you want to use your last name, it's perfectly fine. It's just a joke. It's a running joke. It doesn't really mean anything. But everybody, uh, I'd like to introduce to the podcast, Michael. Yes, hi, my name is Michael. Nice to meet you. Oh, yeah. Um, you can't hear it now, but people are clapping for you. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, so that's, that happened. And today we're going to talk about I feel like this is my second favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. I know I've recorded an episode which actually lists which ones are my favorite. So probably someone will call me on that and say I said I said it in the wrong order. But I'm pretty sure it goes Inglorious Bastards, then Jackie Brown. Uh, I think me, it's this one, and then Inglorious Bastards. So it's interesting. Uh, I, there was just something about how into Inglorious Bastards I was. But Jackie Brown was definitely my favorite. For I mean, it came out in '97, so it's been my favorite for quite some time. Uh, and then Inglorious Bastards knocked it down a peg. Uh, but that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and as as we usually do on the podcast, I'm going to get you to count down from any number that isn't three. You can say three, just don't start at three, and then press uh, go on the movie. What? So I press I. Start counting down from any number. Any number. Just don't start at three. How come I don't like three? I just, I just want to see how many people will follow that rule. Noah did not follow the rule, and he has not been back since. <laughs> negative three. Okay. Negative two. Negative one. Boom. Yeah. It's starting. We're, the M from Miramax is going across the screen, and I didn't say that ahead of time. But last episode, I didn't even say what movie we're doing. And this time, I didn't say what the screen was going to do. Yes, so I, I'm, I'm rusty. Brown, in case you haven't been paying attention. I'm rusty. Uh, all right. So uh, and, and, and in case you don't know, this is one of the longest films. Well, other than what he's been doing now, I would say he's been doing some pre and long stuff now. Like, uh, that, what was that last movie he did? It was um, the cool. one. Oh, Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight. It was, it was three hours too long for me. Three hours too long, so you wish it just never happened. Yeah, I wish it never happened. <laughs> uh, I think this one is two hours and a half, but yeah. I actually think it deserves that. And uh, yes, I, yeah, I have nothing to cut from this movie. I like it all. I feel like there was even stuff in the trailers that I don't know made it to the movie, but I, I can't. I can't say for sure. I wish there was more. <laughs> more Why Chris Tucker. Talk about this, right now? this is very oh. famous. Uh, the 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 title sequence, which has her going on the uh, escalator, 
I think Mad Men started one season like that, and they must have been copying this uh, opening. I think so, yeah. But I mean, it's just so um, amazing how she just looks like she's floating I on think air. You're, I think you might be off the mic. Oh, yeah. It looks like she's floating on air. Yeah. And her whole life is about to be less than floating on air, right? As, as soon as she gets off this uh, walk, uh, moving sidewalk gonna be rough for her as samuel jackson gets introduced into her life i guess she already knew him but he really starts to cause some trouble for her no for sure and um it's pretty impressive because it's still going strong it's about three minutes in and she's still floating on air <laughs> uh, uh i did not ever notice that that someone who casted this movie is called jackie brown so jackie brown casted jackie brown spelt differently but still I didn't even notice that, but that's J A K I. Is that Jackie casted this movie? Okay, that's so crazy. Should we maybe just give it a round of applause to Jackie? Uh, congratulations, Jackie! I hope you're still working with Quentin. I mean, it's like you, Daniel, casting Daniel. Uh, I wish I did anything involving my name. Uh, I tend to take my name off of almost not. On purpose, I just don't want people to think like, oh, of course Daniel called it the Daniel Show. I wanted to always say, like, I did, my website doesn't even have my name on it at any point. I don't even think I sign off on things with my name. I use my uh, hip-hop name, so I, I'm not precious about my name. <laughs> I mean, almost every other movie is named Michael, so I don't have that problem. Mm, like that John Travolta movie, Michael. Is that yes, the one where right. he's a... Uh, he's like that's, a, even, that's even a very sad German movie called Michael. Oh, and man. I don't, I, don't, I don't recommend it. Okay, then I won't watch it. <laughs> no, I'm good. Yeah. Um, okay, now she's running. She's running, and uh, she's in a rush to get to the airport. To the airplane. Sorry. So, yeah, no more floating. There's, now things are getting uh, rough for her. Yes, that's right. She's starting to lose some of her composure. But I really like this part because you can see the camera. It's spinning. The camera's spinning to show the airport now. It's showing all the messy stuff in the airport. And it's showing her hair. Her hair is messy too. Yeah, it's so way less serene. And now it's boarding. The boarding. So we're about to take off, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we're about to take off. Please uh, put in your seatbelt. And hopefully we won't have any turbulence. Exactly. And uh, do you... My, my wife loves reading the, like... Um, she likes reading along when they do the the whole thing of like here are the exits, here's how you put on your seatbelt. I don't even remember what that's called, but she loves reading along. And oh, you mean do when not you fly or something. Yeah, when you fly, like, and she takes the the booklet out of the no, seat just... and she'll read it and do not disturb her while she's doing. <laughs> I have to tell you that um, a few years ago when I was taking the train, uh, it was very well. I was taking the train from Ottawa to. I guess, Kinston. Okay. But I had, um, the train attendant was obsessed with making sure that everybody knew what to do oh. with the emergency window. <laughs> so she would stop if we sit. And she would say, what do you do? Do, oh, you wow. do? Oh, wow. It's a test. And she it, didn't just and, help and, you. And, and if it was a movie, I knew the train was going to crash. Right? Oh, yeah. Because you don't spend that much time on something when you're not actually going to deliver. Oh, she, she, spo- uh, she would have spooked me, yeah. yeah. She, she would have made me feel like, oh, definitely we're going to crash. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love this pairing. I feel like it. Oh man, I already hit. I told. I did what I told you not to do. Uh, yeah. I love this pairing, Robert De Niro and Samuel Jackson. Why? Why don't they do more things together? They seem so like they get along so easily in this movie. 
I know how it turns out for them. But for these scenes, they just seem like the best of friends. I know, I know. Um, it's if you're watching this scene with us, you can see them kind of just lounging on the couch here, and uh, Samuel Jackson has his shirt undone, which I obviously notice. Um, <laughs> but they're just both watching TV. And do you want to talk about that chicks with guns then? Yeah, you you talk about whatever you want. There is no there are no rules here. No, I know. Other than just stay on the mic. <laughs> I'm just curious about what you think about the chicks with guns. What's that supposed to be? Is that supposed to be like making fun of the United States or something? Uh, I think it's supposed to make fun of them in particular. These two idiots. Oh, I think it's supposed to be like they're idiots, and that's what's entertaining. To and them. here's Bridget Fonda. Yes, that's what. Yeah. And they tweet her like shit. Whom, yeah, m- most like uh, Robert Forster didn't really. Uh, t- I mean, she's got a good enough thing, but you'd think she'd be in more things. Is she the one uh, married to Danny Elfman or someone else? Yeah. She is. Okay. No, I mean, what were you saying? Sorry. Is Bridget Fonda married to. No, I have Danny no idea. I don't know anything. Oh. No, I'm sorry. Oh, you don't have to be sorry. I, that's something I can look up on okay. that app that i say sponsors us but they don't really sponsor us imdb thank you very much for being around well basically i have a very long scene where they're just watching television and samuel jackson has a ponytail which you do not want to miss because i've never seen him with a ponytail so it's very interesting and uh bridget fonda is um she just uh she's very mad because she has to answer the phone yeah, yeah. hello it's for you nice the, and the way she delivered that too just quickly she, she, it doesn't matter who's on there. She knows it's for, what's his name? Ordell. Oh, speaking of which, we should give a call out to Life After Crime. Have you seen that movie? Life After what? Oh, Life, I think it's Life of Crime or Life After Crime, but it's with Jennifer Aniston. Mm, definitely haven't seen it. No, well, it's supposed to be a prequel to this one. I do know what you're talking about. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix, you know, and I keep meaning to, because the, the most deaf movie. plays Samuel Jackson, right? And John Hawks plays Robert, da- or Robert so, yeah. De Niro. But I think for me, the Jennifer Anderson does a good job in that one. But it was, you pretty much have to watch this one to really appreciate that one. So I yeah, I don't think they do. It. Yeah, Life of Crime. That's what it's called. Yeah. And I'm not, and I, I wish I did see it. That would have been good for. Uh, yeah, that's okay. We can do another episode sometime. Yeah, we can do that one. Uh, yeah, I don't think they did a good enough job of telling you, like, this is, that was a prequel to this movie. Yeah, but basically, I like their chemistry better in this one. It makes more sense in this one because I think we know that these people are good actors now, but I'm not so sure about that one. <laughs> but um, Jennifer Aniston does go against type, so she should be given a. Uh, just be given a mention to that, because she is yeah. uh, is basically kidnapped, and she has to survive. Oh, okay. I'm not. I I don't. I don't like uh, Friends, but I like her in almost everything else I've seen her in. Just in Cake. No, we. I was just talking about that. I think with. Yeah, uh, it's another Noah. Well, I like I like the ones where they don't. Well, basically, for me, I like any movie in which a character or an actor is acting against type. Yes. Because, okay, these two guys here are uh, basically, they're basically doing what they're famous for. Lounging. They're both kind of like the bad guys in a way. Oh, they're big time bad guys. Um, But I think Pam Greer and Robert Forster and maybe even Bridget Barnda, they're the ones that push themselves, maybe. Uh, I'll agree with that. I think that's a good observation. That uh, sh- I mean, 
I feel bad because pretty much the only thing I remember Bridget Fonda from is this. And otherwise, I confuse her with, uh, who was Mighty Aphrodite? Who was that, that woman? Oh, man. I'm going to look that up, too. And while you're looking that up, I just want to point out that a lot of people I saw on Facebook were having problems with the... Uh, with that, Miss Peregrine, Miss Peregrine's. I did see that movie. I saw that movie, but I've never read the books. So to me, I, I was like, oh, this is fine. Nah, to that's just going to ruin the movie for I'm me. I'm an English teacher, so <laughs> I, have to, I have to do that. Oh, fair. Oh, yeah, promote uh, reading. Mira Servino. I always confuse Bridget Fonda for Mira Servino. And... Oh, and speaking of that, you should talk about the books that these that things are from. This oh, the Elmore Leonard. Well. Is that, that's his name, right? Elmore Leonard, uh, Rum Punch. Yeah, yeah, um, this is based off of Rum Punch. This yeah, movie. Um, yeah, yeah, this is based off of... Uh, it's really weird seeing that word on the screen. Uh, <laughs> this is based off of uh, Rum Punch. And then the other Elmore Leonard stuff is yeah. uh, that Out of Sight movie with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. And I think Michael Keaton even plays the same character from this movie in oh, that movie. Oh, yes. Okay, I heard that too. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I forgot uh, to mention Michael Keaton. I love Michael Keaton. Yes, so, I'm really he's happy. Very, he's not here for very long. So uh, I just read this movie if you're watching for Michael Keaton. He's only there for five minutes. So, well, no, maybe 20 minutes. No, nah, he's, he's, I mean, he doesn't do a lot, but he's in it a bunch. Yes, sure. But I also I never, Justified. Yeah. The TV show is doing really well. Well, it's finished now. But, you know, it really I liked well. it a lot. Yes. It, and, uh, I don't know why I like uh, Timoth- Timothy Oliphant so much, but I do. And I, I definitely know. like Walton Goggins. He's, um, those are the two main characters. Everyone else is good. They have a good uh, rotating uh, guest star cast, but no, yeah, those two true. main guys are good. And uh, if anyone was wondering, yes, Bridget Fonda is married to Danny Elfman. Uh who has, you know, he does mostly Tim Burton movies. He does like the, he's the voice of Jack Skellington in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I guess the the problem that people seem to have is that Samuel Jackson's the only black character in Miss Peregrine. He is the only black person who speaks. That is a fact. However, the teacher, who looks suspiciously like Octavia Spencer, (laughs) is in it, but she does not speak. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, I I don't know. And Tim Burton gave some stupid excuse about. I could why see that. Have black people in this movie. Yeah, I could see that. I wasn't it. expecting much. From it. No, I don't. I don't know that he's famous for having black people in his movies. Well, I mean, oh, here's Robert Forrester. Yeah, and here's a lot of black people in this movie. So, yeah, Quentin Tarantino. Um, I joke around. But if I'm be like I always say like he's a black director, but I say that only because his use of uh people of color, mostly black people, and just the, he uses them in a way that makes me feel like he actually understands uh struggles that black people would come across. Uh I did appreciate Django a lot because um of how he portrayed Samuel Jackson versus Jamie Foxx, those no, two characters. Right. Yeah, I thought I thought that was a very realistic look at what was happening. I know a lot of people thought it was weird that Leonardo DiCaprio dies before the end of the movie, and it does leave some pacing issues. But more importantly, the Which fight. Tarantino without pacing yeah. issues. I kind of have to get used to it. Yeah, but there was there was no way that Leonardo DiCaprio would be 
the bad guy for Django because he wouldn't respect Django as an actual adversary because his whole character was I own black. Well, I mean, people. if you can say that Leonardo DiCaprio is the bad guy of Django, then Benedict Cumberbatch is the bad guy of Twelve Years a Slave. He is more sympathetic, but still a bad guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bad people. Yes. When you're talking about American slavery. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I'm Samuel Jackson. But yeah, I love Samuel Jackson in this movie because it's uh, he do, he does that thing where he's menacing, but without ever. I mean, he does get to a point where he's actually actively angry, but like he's always doing things in a kind oh, of like. That's true. It's true. Yeah, like he tell when he tells um, Lewis uh, Robert Downey, wow, Robert De Niro, this whole scene. I like it when he's like, "So yeah, you just go in the car and uh, it'll go," and and he brings up his Raptor bag because at the time he was going to a lot of Raptor games, Toronto Raptors. So he was a fan before they even got famous. Um, but just everything is so he's talking about these mundane details, but in such a lively way, Mine's while also it. trying to pull to one over. You him. About that because if you watch Robert Forster right now, just before this part, he was just basically sitting there. He was doing his paperwork. Yeah, it's just another day in the life, and I think that's where they went. This right here, he's doing it, and so he's just very bored out of his mind. And Samuel Jackson's just getting sadistic. Yeah, he's because he's figuring out that Chris Tucker might screw him over, yeah, and so he's. This is all like a reconnaissance, getting information, while doing all that mundane stuff that makes you feel like, oh, like nothing bad could happen, and he totally goes and kills mm-hmm. Chris Tucker. Now let me give you some trivia here, but I'm sure you've shared that with people already. Um, I think no, okay. I just, uh, just um, I think uh, Quentin Tarantino always has a comedian in every one of his movies. Okay. Yeah, did you know that? I'm trying to think of... If, including his best, it was Mike Myers. Yes. And I don't remember... And it was also going to be... Was. It was going to be Adam Sandler as well. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler, I think, was going to play the Eli Roth character. Interesting. Or his dad. Can't remember now. Because there was a lot of... I read the script before the movie came out, and there was a lot of stuff that just never made it into the final product. No, I think... Um, I, I have to double check, but I think he always tries to have a comedian at dinner against type, and here is Chris Tucker doing the very same thing here. So. I love Chris I Tucker in this movie. Interesting. Uh, I, I, I want to look into that now, because I'm trying to think of who the comedian was in Hateful Eight. In Hateful Eight? Let me think about that, too. Um, well, yeah, that's... Well, the one person that didn't last very long was Zoe. Zoe yeah. Double, I really like her. Yeah, but she didn't it's, last very long. No. She lasted for two seconds and hit for eight. And in Django, she doesn't even get to show her face. No, I know. Uh, it's too bad. I I really like her in... Uh, no, I know. I think Tarantino needs to use her more. Yeah, I like her in Death Proof. Yes, she was probably the best part of Death Proof. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree with you, there. <laughs> yeah, she was amazing. And, and, I mean, it's kind of like a meta film when you talk about doing stunt, stunt uh, stunts for another film. Yeah. And it's very dangerous work, and I think Death Proof kind of shows that. We know the danger is happening. She's really out there on that car, on the hood of that car. And I like that she's so engaging as an actor, because she's not, uh, I mean, no, now no. she is. But when you first saw her, she wasn't an actor. She was just, no, 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 for sure. yeah, she was just I, a friend of the when director. When you first saw her, you didn't even know that you were seeing her. Yeah. You thought you were seeing you met that man. Exactly. So, yeah, that was basically the idea. But uh, we're still here, we're still talking with Chris Tucker and Samuel Jackson at the motel, and 
Well, it's also for you who they all know what the movie is about when they're following you. Or do they, do you need to I think they just, and yeah, just go to IMDb, everybody. IMDb, Jackie Brown, if you don't know what it is, but you should know because I've talked about it a bunch on this podcast. Yes, and um, frankly, you should do your homework before yeah. coming to class. So, Or just just come to class and hope no one calls on you. I mean, you should not be watching. Just turn it off right now. And no, I mean, yeah, it's far enough in that you can turn it off now. I don't care. Yeah. I got the listen. No, yeah, fair enough. So basically, um, you watch this movie, you get a lot of conversations that seem to last 10 minutes long. But that's just the nature of the beast here. A lot of it is the poetry of the words. A lot of it is what the words actually mean and how people are talking to each other. And there's a lot of the N-word here, which I'm yes. not going to say out loud. But uh, there is... You know, the nuance of language. That seems That's what I like about uh, Quentin Tarantino movies. I know people don't like his use of the N-word. And the and I've talked about this on the podcast as well. The only time I don't like it is in Pulp Fiction. Okay, when he he is... I'm going to say it now because it gets too cumbersome if I don't say the word. But when he... When Samuel Jackson and John Travolta bring dead Phil Lamar... And Quentin Tarantino says, this isn't dead nigger storage. Don't bring it here. This isn't dead nigger storage. I just find that it's such a weird, it's such a weird thing for that character to say. Because that character is married to a black woman. He has a black friend. And it just puts him in a bad light for a character who we don't really have to delve into. Like, he never gets a chance to redeem himself or be anything. So it's just this weird outlier of, a guy who's married to a black woman but feels comfortable using that word so freely, which makes me feel like he must treat her poorly. I know. And it's like it's a, it's a it's just I get why he uses it in the other movies. And I mean, I might not like it in Reservoir Dogs, but I get that those characters would use it, mm-hmm. especially in this in the context they're using it. And he uses it almost in every. I mean, actually, no. I'm pretty sure he uses a version of the N word in every movie. I think maybe he doesn't use the N word in *Inglorious Bastards*. Well, they call. Well, they use the like German equivalent because they're kind of like, oh, it's a Negro or something. Oh, like, yes, I think. Okay. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's still the implication of the, of the word, even though they don't okay. say nigger. That's it's still in there. It still comes up because uh, when, um, yeah, when uh, Christoph Waltz is, I don't even know if he is trying to intimidate her at that in that moment. But, like, he's talking to her and they're talking about, like, oh, you know, like, black people can do this. And, like, uh, we knew you were going to have, like, a special oh, yeah. guest. And it's just they talk about black people in a demeaning way. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I get what's going on here. And obviously, Hateful Eight, they use it. Django, they definitely use it. And in all those times, it makes sense when it's used, except for that one character in Pulp Fiction seems off. And I don't, I don't know why he did it. And maybe he's just, okay. I gotta stop this conversation now because we've got a famous scene right here, and the camera is in a trunk. Yes, that and, is. And uh, it's a fantastic perspective. And basically, you can see Chris Tucker pointing at the camera, pointing at us, and, and looking he's at saying, us right now. I don't now. want to go in that. I don't want to go in the trunk. Yeah. yeah. I I really I mean, when you see the full movie, you're not sad that Chris Tucker died, but like, I feel like he's doing a good job because in this moment, I don't want him to die. Like, I know he's gonna die. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, you can get out of this somehow. No, it's true. And he, he almost looks like he can talk out of it. But, yeah. you know, he just can't. Um, I like the uh, addition of, like, deodorant specks in his armpit. That's good. Oh, yes. I just saw that. No he way. looks like a real person there. It shows that he's nervous. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, and just in case you don't know, um, they're going to go for a car ride, and then Chris Tucker's going to get shot in the head or something. Oh, yeah, big time. I like that he gives him the gun. That's that's a nice mind fuck there. <laughs> that no, he was like, true. yeah, you can have the gun even. That's true. You, I like that. You know Samuel Jackson's going to kill someone when he puts those gloves on. Have you, you heard of, it, the, sorry, you heard of the, uh, the ratio beat-door test? The what? Well, you know the beat-door test. Um, oh, yes. Yes, I do know that no, I don't know the racial one. I only know the female no. one. Why don't you just change it? So you basically okay. say you have two characters of color talking to each other about not being black or about not being that color. Okay, because I thought the Brechtel test was like, uh, do you have two women and they're talking, but they're not talking about another man? Yes, that's right. Okay, and, so and in this one it would be these two, if these two characters could just talk and it's... There's nothing that would make that would uh, tie them to being black. It's just two characters yeah. who happen to be okay. That's how it goes. And I think that's so I guess th- that test. Oh yeah, but except they, for the um, excessive use of the N word. It's such a. <laughs> I'm just gonna say this. It's such a way to see more than one black person in a in a movie or a TV show. This is why that I, I didn't bring it up on the last episode, but when we did Civil War, there's scenes where there's like three black men on know, screen. I'm happy, or to, I'm happy to say that. And I like that. Brooklyn Nine One One. I think it's uh, no Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, there's the like tons of. Uh, I love it because and you've got the two black cops and one of them's gay. Yes. And, and so they're just addressing a wide range of issues. Uh, and I first noticed that on Community as well. There was like there okay. four people of color because it's uh, Shirley, obviously Troy, Abed. Abed. Not Abed. I know I love Abed. He was probably the yeah. first Muslim character that I identified with. Yeah, he was really such a movie nerd. He was such a great character. Um, you should identify him here or something. Ah man, if Danny Pudi would do this podcast, that would be great. <laughs> yes. But he but would have to do it as Abed. <laughs> I was surprised to find it, it was like that just sitting here with me and he didn't hear Yes, because he's high, he's half Polish or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think they later just use in the show. Mm-hmm. They like they just flat out say, "Yeah, his know, yeah. mom is Polish," and she left. Uh, Parks and Rec was another show that had multiple people of color. Um, so it was blackish. I just don't yeah, it on my iTunes. It's, I don't know. I'm starting second season now. There's an episode, there's a clip from an episode that I saw that I really liked. My problem is I feel like I'm too close to the material. I'm watch, I watch Fresh Off the Boat, which I love. Mm-hmm. And I think I can like it because I don't feel... Like, I wouldn't know if it was being disingenuous. I, for some of the blackest stuff, and I think that's also the issue is my experience as a Canadian black person will always be different as uh, an American black person. No, and, no, and, 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 and we don't have any stories about being black in Canada, I don't think. I mean, um, well, we, got, we have issues here. Giggles, but I don't think that, well, some of it takes place in Canada, but... Um, yeah, we don't have, I mean, I guess I also can't relate as much to black Americans with their, uh, I use um, Michael Jackson as an example of, he was hated so much here, maybe for good reason, but he left and he could, just couldn't help himself. He came back for more hate and I was like, just, you can't, like, you're not accepted. Like, <laughs> well, you will not be 
uh, there's just a certain level you reach and i think they think oh well then uh, i'm not it's almost like they feel like oh i'm not black anymore which i get this show tries to broach that subject but there's only so far they can go with that subject mm-hmm. and so it feels watered down i i think there's funny parts to it but it's one of those things where i'm like i need to take some time and like digest it properly because i'm like oh no, i'm, I'm the same way because it's it's a half hour and yeah i don't have anyone like you to help me watch it with and in a lot of ways i'm not sure if it's been accurate or i'm not sure if it because you know the last time i went to the united states I was in a hotel room, and I turned on the TV in New York, and it was a sitcom about a family that had lost their gun in the house. And I'm like, huh. this is as stereotypical as American as you can get. Yes. So I'm not really sure what's right and what's wrong anymore, because I'm like, they're trying to get to the fact whether Americans actually have guns in their house. Yeah. And I don't understand how people can live that way. It's crazy. That's the thing. There's a, As much as uh, we like to talk about what we don't like about Americans. They just have different values as Americans than so we do as Canadians. It, if it all comes from there, that they can't really understand where they're coming from. That kind of thing. Yeah. I hope there's a bunch of American people listening to this podcast. Write in and tell me your angry stories. Uh, yeah, Blackish is probably going to get good. I don't like it as much as I think I should. I well, maybe you, can, maybe you can watch a few episodes someday and talk about it with your followers. Yeah, so maybe. Watch TV shows. I re- no, I don't do it on the podcast. I mostly write about TV shows on the on my blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. We're still having lots of conversations in this movie. So. It's what I like about Quentin Tarantino. I've I've never had a problem with the conversation. No, me neither. It's uh, well, I mean, I mean, I mean like this scene here that we're watching has Robert De Niro and Samuel Jackson out of Robert De Niro's house. And what's really interesting about it is it looks like it could have happened in a neighborhood. Yeah. They're just sitting there and talking. It doesn't have to be a fancy studio or anything. And you can see that Robert De Niro has a very natural performance. Then his cross in his arms has got his shirt open again. And yeah. you remember I told you that Samuel Jackson had his shirt open before, but now Robert, oh, they just fist bumped. I like oh, yeah. that. I really like how awkward that fist bump was. Oh, yeah, that's true, right? And now we're, we're in the parking lot, and Jackie is about to get stopped. Oh, this is like Kill Bill parking lot. Remember? Yeah. It's not really the same scene. I don't know why I brought that up. This guy, who? what's his name? Because this guy works with Michael Keaton, and I wish it was just always Michael Keaton. The good one, the good cop, bad cop. Yeah. This confused me as a kid. I'm going to be honest. What, I think I was like 11 when I saw this movie, and I was just like, wait, is, is he a good guy or not? I can't tell. <laughs> They, it's just a sleazeball. Yeah, they're just slimy. But um, it's interesting because they don't have any police brutality here. So it's Luckily, just being yeah. Sleazeball. Yeah, I, do they don't plant anything on her though, right? Yeah, I think they they would have treated like a white woman the same way, maybe. Yeah. You know? It's just they want the money. They want to get Samuel Jackson. They want this is an ideal situation in terms of dealing with the cops. They don't do anything to her to screw her over. No, that's They true. don't make her feel less than. Well, it's yeah, just but no, basically up. they're opening her purse right now, so I'm not sure. Yeah, but I, like, I... I feel... Is the, is the assumption we're supposed to make that Beaumont gave up that information? Um, who, uh, oh, sorry, uh, Chris, uh, Tucker. Chris Tucker. Yeah, yeah he, would have he, given that information up. I guess so, yeah. That's for sure, yeah. But look at the, look at the money here. It's all... I guess they can figure out where the money is coming from. 
Yeah. Because I think the first time I saw it, I thought they put something in there, but I don't think they do. I think they they planted it. Yeah. No, not the money. I think at some point I thought they planted Coke on her. No, um... I I think Chris Tucker was a snitch, and yeah, and then I think he snitched while he was yes. in prison, and then that's why Samuel yeah he talked him. too much, and that's why Samuel Jackson's like, I know that he's gonna keep snitching because he doesn't want to stay in jail, so he goes to kill him. And Unfortunately, so, but um, yeah, here's Michael Keaton looking very sketchy. In case you wanted that. Yeah. Michael Bones, the other guy. The other never, guy. never. Yeah, oh, he's, he's in. His Michael something, Michael Sluka or whatever. It is. I don't know what his name is. This, so that's well, obviously that's Michael Keaton. I don't remember Ray something is his character name. But, but the they, other so guy they, is they, uh, from. The other guy is in a lot of Sam. Is in a lot of Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, because he's Buck in Kill Bill. I would have. Ne- I had to look that up now. He, I, I didn't just know that off the top of my head. I went to IMDb. And realize, well, the one oh, thing he's... to know about Quentin Tarantino is that he very much supports his actors. Yes. That if he if he likes you as an actor, you will cut back. But that's why I've been a little bit disappointed not to see Pam Grier again. But still, I think Pam Grier is different though, because this was a movie where he could have her be the like uh, the character, and he hasn't really done a movie where she can be the main character again. No, I know. And not. so she probably isn't just willing to come out for a bit part after doing Jackie Brown. Well, I have to say that all lesbians have her now because she was big on the L word. Oh, yeah, she was big on the L word. I think, yeah, I think that she has a bit following from that show, but we'll have to watch it someday. I've yeah. seen three episodes. Yeah. How was she in that? Did she do I don't know if I saw any episodes with her. I'm pro- maybe She's I did. She's kind of big yeah. um, I know she was at TIFF last year. Oh. She she was there when they presented this movie last year. Oh. Yeah, don't we miss that. I'm going to miss everything at TIFF. I never get to the, like, good stuff because, as we were talking about off mic, I am no longer around when, like, pre-sale happens and you can, like, really get in there and get the tickets you want. So I just have to rely on the kindness of friends getting me into stuff. You just have to tell the people at Dork Shop to keep you uh, up to date on when Asha comes back again. Mm, That is, I mean, we haven't talked about it yet, but this this is how we know each other through the Dork Shelf connection. Yes, that's right. Um... You've also opened the door to Tiff Talk. Uh, you, uh, I'll, I'll let you tell your tell your story. No, about no, like, no, no. My found we viewed uh, forty movies at Tiff. Yeah, forty, and uh, it's been quite the adventure. I saw fifty-five altogether, and uh, and um, I've been trying to work with Tiff on improving their accessibility. Yeah, for deaf people like myself, I'm deaf by the way. Yeah, I didn't want to like box you into that. I figured you would bring it up at some point. I don't want to like add the deaf guess. Okay, maybe let's just pretend I didn't bring it up. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm saying I don't want to. I never want to uh, box guests in or anyone in and have them be defined by something like that. You happen to be deaf, and you, uh, we we met through working uh, with Dork Shelf. And, no, uh, no, no. I know. I. I guess it's just interesting because sometimes I think it's what defines me and then sometimes I forget about it for a while and uh, it's fascinating. But um, I guess one of the things that I'm trying to work on with TIFF and all the uh, all the different industries 
the involved with Piff is basically the idea that this should be accessibility, should be the first thing that they think about. Yeah. And uh, um, having more English language films be accessible. Yeah, well, I guess that's, I read the article. I don't. I mean, I read both Dork Shelf and CBC stuff, but uh, talking about how you mostly have to watch foreign films because at least you know there'll be subtitles there. No, that's okay. Yeah, and, um, and I love. I, don't get me wrong. I love foreign films, but you know, it's things with Jackie Brown that I realized that I would actually never be able to see it. Um, back in 1995 or whenever it came out, I wouldn't have been able to see it in the theater. Yeah. So. If it makes you feel better, I wouldn't have been able to see it either because I would have been too young. In fact, my parents went to see it the day it came. I think it came out on a Christmas, and they went to see it, and I was so pissed because I definitely wanted to see it from the commercials. And I was like, I can't believe you guys went without me. Why couldn't you go? Uh, Too young. There's no way I was going to too young? They made up for it by – I was – I like – well, Kill Bill 1 came out when I was too young, but by months. And uh, the movie theater that I lived close to was very, like, they they were very strict. I remember my mom tried to pay, not even, it wasn't like, she, she wasn't trying to trick them. She wanted me to see that movie, Oh, like, which was like the modern version of Othello with Josh Hartnett and Mackay Pfeiffer. And I think Julia Stiles. And they were like, no, he's too young. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, I don't think you understand. I want my son to be able to see this movie i am buying his ticket though like, doesn't matter it's rated r he can't see it and um kill bill came out and i remember going with my friends and they're like you're too young and i was like ah and so my everyone that weekend i knew was gonna go see it with their parents and i we went to the same movie theater but this time my mom had a plan she's like don't come in with us so she went in with my dad and i went in and just like didn't even show a ticket i think they showed they gave the three tickets and I just went in behind them. And I think the guy yelled, like, hey, what are you, who are you? And I just ran into the theater. Jeez. And I was like, I did it. Yes. And then when by the time the second one came out, I was old enough. And they didn't – it wasn't rated R. It was just someone in your group had to be 18 years old. So I could get tickets for my friends. Jeez. And I, and I, I showed that I w- – they used to put the rating system on the, right there at the desk. And I pointed to the woman. I'm like, <laughs> no, look at the rating. I can go with my friends. And she was like – Yep, you're right. And I was like, yes, success. Well, that's crazy. I can't believe people have so much time on their hands. Oh, yeah, I've got a lot of time. <laughs> people just to go into the movie theater. But, uh, I mean, I, I understand that you have a different situation where uh, accessibility is the issue, not your age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I feel like there's the Young and Eglinton movie theater that I don't, and I don't even. And, uh, now I, I'm, I must admit, yeah, I'm missing app. Yes. Does it tell you which ones will have? Uh... I want to say this out loud, and um, because of a programming error, the Cineplex app does not have enough whoop to indicate within our really? are captioned for all of them that have captioned it. That's crazy. So, for example, if there's a VIP. If it's at VIP or if it has AVX or any one of those uh, acronyms, it actually replaces the space oh. that it would have said if it was captioned or not. That's really bad. <laughs> I don't, so I think all your followers should listen to that. Well, listen, but um, it's very irritating. So what you end up having to do is you end up having to go to the website, which, of course, the app is supposed to stop you from going to the website. Yes. 
and uh, you have to do the app and the website and then plan your trip to the movie theater. And then when you're done, when you're done planning your trip with your movie theater, when you've got your wife and your kids and your whole family, and you're like, okay, this movie I can see because it has captioning. Yes. When you finally get there, it might not even work. Yeah, I that's I remember that happened to you at TIFF. Like there weren't there were yes. some movies where it was just like, oh, sorry. I was there three hours early. Yep. And I was to asking them, are you, is this going to work? Is this going to work? So the first hour, they were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, this is not a good sign. No. This is not a good sign. And then uh, three hours later, they were like, okay, we've got it under control. I'm like, that's cool. Because you went from not knowing anything about it to having it under control. So I'm very impressed with you. But uh, of course, they didn't have it with it. And so I ended up with the drug shelf and the CBC. We ended up... Um, Talking to the filmmakers themselves, and okay. they got me a screener. Okay. And then uh, I think you should definitely watch that movie when it comes out. It's called uh, Boys in the Trees, so please oh, okay. don't miss it. Well, there you go, ringing movie. endorsement. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like a Halloween movie. So. Wait, is it a horror film? I'm um, suspense. suspense. I can do suspense. I don't like I don't like horror. Okay, but it's not horror. Okay, good. It's I'm sus- good with suspense. I will do suspense. No, I don't. I know. I think. I think they really ran into a marketing challenge because it's not scary, but um, it's kind of unsettling. Okay. And it's really about growing up, and hmm. it's about coming of age, and it's about um, telling stories, telling stories on Halloween. So okay. I think, I think it is the best Halloween movie. Out there. I do like coming of age movies. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm a bit. I'm a bit fan of this. Um, the last really I don't know why I haven't done it on the podcast yet but Kings of Summer was the last the coming of age movie that I saw where I was like oh that's it's called Kings of Summer uh, oh I yes th- it's called Kings of Summer the guy who directed that is directing the King Kong movie okay. the, the one that's coming out with Samuel Jackson in it although I just heard an interview with Samuel Jackson that made me feel like that movie is going to suck you, they were like, oh, aren't you happy why about it? Keep, why do they keep going back to King Kong? Uh, for this, I don't, I don't like King Kong. I didn't like the... Peter Jackson. Yeah, I didn't like the Peter Jackson one. And I wasn't going into this being like, ooh, King Kong. I just think the cast is amazing. It's got Samuel Jackson, Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston, uh, some of the kids from Kings, Kings of Summer. Uh, oh, okay. It's got two of the people from Straight Outta Compton. So the guy who played Dr. Dre, the guy who played Easy e um, so it's got a very diverse cast and a bunch of people I really like. Um, so I was like, oh, I want to see this movie regardless. And it was the director from, but Samuel Jackson was doing this interview where the, the interviewer was kind of like, oh, like, so aren't you excited? He's like, oh, it's, uh, it's coming out. And they're like, yeah, so was it, was it, uh, it's probably going to be a good movie. He's like, eh, it could, it could, it could be. Uh, he's like, we had fun doing it, but you know, the, you do these movies and, uh, he basically made it seem like the director didn't know what he was doing, and it was gonna, it's it's gonna be. He's like, either I lean into this or I just let it happen, and it seems like he just let it happen. <laughs> no, I mean, um, did you ask Noah if you can review that movie? King, no, I should ask him. You can ask him right now. Ask him on air. Noah, I know you're listening. Can I? Hold on, let me get the name of the movie right, because then I don't want any funny yeah, business. Be the first he, all he wants is you to be the first person to watch it. Kong Skull Island, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is in this movie? 
Oh, do? Toby Kebble. I love that guy. Yes, we can. Uh, there you go. So that's why you should review this one. Yeah. John Goodman, John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Yeah, there's so that's many good. great people in this movie. Yes. It blows my mind that. Uh, why do they even need a monster? They don't need a monster. They can just no. make a movie by themselves. Oh, there's. There really is so many. Like, I don't even want to say their names because I don't feel like I know how to pronounce them. But I also just feel like when you see them, you'll be like, oh, I love that person. I love that person. This is, as I say that, I've scrolled by like at least 10 people now that I have no idea who they are. But for the first, like. Who who, who does the monster? Who does King Kong? Is it that guy from. No, I don't think this is an Andy Circus thing. No, I think. They probably just did it straight up computer. I don't know if they'd, uh, they. I guess nowadays they must do motion capture, right? Can I just say that I think they should make a King Kong movie in which King Kong survives? Oh, he's going to survive this movie. Is he? Yeah, because this one is supposed to be just on the island. He has. He doesn't make it to New York in this one. So I, mean, I feean like they. I mean, he doesn't get kidnapped. No, as in like no one. Ki- yeah, no one kidnaps him. So but I think they kidnap him later. Is that the problem? I don't know if this movie is just like a prequel to Yeah, the it's kidnapping. a prequel. Oh, it's a prequel to the kidnapping. So but then in I this... would know that he gets kidnapped. Yeah, I know, but at least in this movie he doesn't die. But then, yeah, no, he dies later. But yeah, but all these sad. people definitely will die. I feel like that's got to be the case, right? Or Tom Hiddleston gets to fly away being like, oh, that was a mistake. Yeah, that's true. Shouldn't have gone there. I wonder who And then Jack for... Black comes back and he's like, no, let's do this. And that's Peter Jackson. King Kong. <laughs> oh, dear God. I think Peter Jackson should just stop. Whatever he's doing, okay. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm I, d- I just I remember he made comments about like how stupid superhero movies were, and then I saw The Hobbit, and I think it was the third one had come out by the time I was like, this is just as stupid as the you superhero. Understand that The Hobbit was never intended to be a trilogy. Yeah, it's the shortest book. Yeah, the, and the they made it like, the and they made it into three movies, and they always intended it to be more than one movie, which blows my mind. That they couldn't get that done in one movie. I'm, I'm, I'm very sad about that. It was going to be Guillermo del Toro, but I feel like in those instances, it probably just means it was always going to be bad. No, it's good. <laughs> uh, like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Edgar Wright. I always confuse his name. Edgar Wright, the guy who did um, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. He was supposed to do Ant-Man, and then everyone was sad when he didn't do Ant-Man. I'm like... If if he didn't do it, it probably means that they had an idea they wanted to do. And you know, the best part about Ant Man was when they shrank. Was when he shrank. Yeah, that was the best part. I, I like that movie. I shrunk the kids stuff. I and really I liked Honey had... the Shrank. I shrunk the kids. I, I did not. I wish they had to stay there the whole time instead of going back and forth. You know, just yeah. make the whole movie in a small scale, and that would be more fun. But what I liked about it was they would they would shrink. And it would seem like this epic battle. And then when they zoomed out, you could see it was just nothing. Like, no, I don't no, know if no, I, I like that. True. That's true. That's true. That was a good point. I, I like the way they messed with visuals that way. Like, I thought it was a fun movie for that. Yeah, I like the, um, when they shrank and there was a train coming. Yeah. Yeah, the toy train. Yeah. Or when they shrink and go into, like, the, um, what do you call it? Like, the model, the scale model. Oh, yeah. So that it still no, seems like a regular uh, superhero movie with buildings cr- collapsing, but. No, when they no. zoom out, it's just like a bunch of paper. Like it doesn't really. No, 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 no. Like that. That stuff was cool. I like that, and it probably was the Edgar Wright stuff. But you know, <laughs> it's fun stuff. Um, what is happening here? Oh yeah, yeah she's falling in love with Robert Forster. 
Or he's falling in love with her for sure. They're having a date. Yeah. Which is not very professional if you're a parole officer. No. But you can't you can resist Pam Grier. That is it's just impossible. I, I think that's the idea is there's no resisting her. Even Samuel Jackson begrudgingly wants to uh take his turn. <laughs> yes. Um yes, I don't think uh can you tell me from she's ever met Samuel Jackson yet? Did they ever have a relationship before this movie? Uh uh-uh. Have they ever been in a movie before this? No, no, I mean Jackie Oh, Brown. the character. Has Jackie I Brown think, yeah. The Samuel idea Jackson. is they all work for the same guy. And Chris Tucker's character has pretty much ruined that operation by blabbing. Okay, so they work together. So they, they do know each other. They okay, know of they each, know other. each other. I wasn't yeah. sure about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I know there's an IMDb feature you can look up. And you can see if the, the two people have been together before. Oh, really? It doesn't really matter. But it, I would say no. I would yeah. bet $10,000 they hadn't worked together before. But what do and, I know? No, and one of the things I like about this movie that I wanted to say is that, um, that Pam Greer is very much a uh, woman of the black exploitation movement. Yes. And I think that was in, what was it, in the 1970s? Like Coffee Brown. Uh, and stuff was. was it in the 1970s? Oh, it's the 70s, yeah. Yeah, so I think what I like to say about this movie is it takes place in the 90s. But, um... You can say that Pam Greer represents the 70s and that Robert Forster represents the 60s. Because mm. Robert Forster did the white version of the black exploitation movement. He was in the action films of that time. Oh. And he did a lot of spy thrillers. So basically, you've got two has-been actors and you're trying to bring them back again. And I think it's kind of a I do like move. I like when uh, Tarantino brings people back. Like I'm happy he brought back Kurt Russell in Death Proof. Yes, that's right. I'll, I mean, everyone talks about Travolta and Pulp Fiction. And I have to say, he did a really good job at them. I just watched him in Deep Water Horizon. Is he good in that? I I feel like, I mean, don't confirm for me, but it seems like he dies. He seems like too big of a guy to stick around in that movie. Uh, but I did like that he is acting with his adopted daughter, yes, Kate Hudson. That's totally. nice. No, they, they don't have any scenes together. Though. I didn't. I figured they wouldn't. But uh, I like that they got to be in a movie together, and I also... Have you seen Bone Tomahawk? No, isn't that kind of like, doesn't that turn into some kind of horror movie? Do you, have, do you like violent movies? To an extent, yes. It depends what kind of violence. Like, I feel like the most violent I like is that uh, Indonesian movie, The Raid. The Raid, oh yes, I love The Raid. The first one, not the but second I hated, one. I hated the new one, the, the new one with the actors in my review for... Uh, Workshop, it was called Headshot. Oh, okay. So I basically, you know, said, you know, thank you. Like a shot to the head. Yeah, and thank you, you for letting me know I don't have to watch that. No, I, I, I love the way it, it was original, but then, you know, Headshot just gets so stupid. Yeah. And it's uh, like, you know, when you've seen a fight scene before, you're just like, dude, I've seen this fight yeah. scene in an office before. Can you stop? And then just don't do a fight scene. Like, honestly, Doing a fight scene in my apartment is more interesting because it's like <laughs> I haven't seen a fight scene in a, in this apartment. Before. Yeah, that kind of thing. So, but in office with the stereotypical cubicles <laughs> and stuff like that, it's just like come on. Uh, but, Bone know. Tomahawk. I've heard nothing but good things, and he's good in it. Uh, yeah. Kurt Russell. Um, yeah. So I think he's making new resurgence. Um, I think, I think it would be okay with um, Bone Tomahawk, except for one scene. It's not gore I don't like. It's just jump scares in, in general horror Oh, stuff. there's none of that. It's like a Western. Okay. 
Um, it's kind of like Jungle Unchained without the waist issues, but, um, if that's even possible to even imagine. But, uh, but it's like the two people journeying, and they're trying to achieve a goal. Okay. But, um, at one point, am I, should I tell you, or should I not tell you? You can tell me, I don't care. I'll, okay. I'll still watch it. At one point, a man is cut in half. Oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. I don't know, I don't have a problem it's with It's just a very long cutting thing. Oh, sorry, you mean, like, they, it's like... 127 hours when he cuts off his arm long? I mean, it's more like they tear him apart. Okay. They eat him. Okay. I feel like I'll be fine. No, 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 it's fine. I don't, I haven't closed my eyes since Home Alone when he has to touch the spider. That's the last time, that's the last time I close my eyes in a movie. Some people have to talk about John Candy. uh, I love John Candy. Uh, We could do a whole retrospective of John Candy. We can watch like Stripes and just keep talking about John Candy. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I. But I know what I think. I think the cool thing about Bone Tomahawk was it's not a horror film; it's a Western horror film, which we don't usually see before. And uh, the first part, the first hour, the first hour and a half, it stays a Western. Okay. And I think you'd be happy with that. And I think Kurt Russell shows his acting chops. And then there's also the guy from. Um, no, what's his face? The guy from. Oh, God. The um, Six Feet Under. That guy. The, the guy who looks like James Cam. But um, it's not. Yeah, he's an older Was he Dexter? Guy. No. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, he's, in, he's, in, um, he's in that movie with, the, with Brad Pitt and the Cohen brothers. Richard Jack- Jenkins. Wait, is that who you're talking about? Yeah, that's a You can look at Bone Tomahawk. I'm sure you'd be back. That's what I did. Is it this oh, guy? Yeah, 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 that guy, yeah. Yeah, Richard Jenkins. I love Richard Jenkins. He's a good guy. He, he, no, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's funny in that movie because he plays, um, he has he has a bit of dementia. Oh. So every time he talks, he he, he says something funny in an accident. I really he like him. watch those like, just shut up. <laughs> just shut up. Stop talking. Oh, Patrick Wilson's in it. He's a nice person. Uh, David Arquette. That's a blast from the past i'm pretty sure sid Haig was just the judge in jackie brown oh yes that's right yes he's in here yes. yeah and remember um he was i think my father told me he was in the he was with pam queer in the show before yeah he so looks like he would be before. in the black because i think sid Haig was in the black exploitation stuff yeah Oh, he's in Kill Bill too. I guess he's. I thought he was just like a Rob Zombie guy, but he clearly is a Quentin Tarantino guy too. Uh, I like this scene where uh, she gets the drop on Samuel Jackson. Which happened in this scene? He came in to kill her, and she got the drop on him. Oh, and now yes, he's trying. And now he's trying to act like, "Oh, I was never here to kill you," but you knew he had like the gloves on, and he was good to go. And I really like the split screen. Yes, split screen stuff that's going to happen soon. I usually don't like split screen stuff, but I like it in this movie, and I feel like they did a great job of split screen in the Green Hornet. I know no one likes that movie, but I liked the split screen stuff they did in it. It seemed like the only time that Michelle Gondry was able to do. Did you like, know that for me there was a movie that I was supposed to watch, and it was all split screen, but it was four split screen, and it was for like two hours and a half. Yeah, that's too. They much. would have to watch each movie four times. Yeah, that's too much. It's just ridiculous. Uh, oh, wait, and I, I haven't said it. 500 Days of Summer did a good split screen uh, segment. So that's nice. Well, I mean, it's interesting because he, uh, he, 
It's a surprise, and because you don't know that he's going to do it until he does it. Yeah. Because he hasn't done it before in this movie. And we're already, um, I'm just going to check out time here. I think we're already an hour, an hour in or something. Yeah, 53 minutes. It's an interesting technique to start using halfway through the movie. I, uh, yeah, I have nothing negative to say about Quentin Tarantino other than the Pulp Fiction thing. Before, yeah. Uh, he is definitely one of my favorite writers, mm-hmm. and I like his movies. I can't really speak to his direction. Like, I don't really... I mean, I just know that if he's writing it, then I'm probably going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, he wrote uh, Dusk Till Dawn, right? I know Robert Rodriguez directed Dusk it, but he, he wrote he that. Did, um, and he, he's a way pissed at it. Yes, him he and George Clooney are brothers. Well, does he succeed in doing it, or does he try? He just he's like that's the beginning, right? Like he he wants to do it, and I feel like why do you just want to see if yourself as a pedophile? It's just this is what I'm talking about, and you've just reminded me of that. And then he does that weird thing with the N word in Pulp Fiction, and I don't. And then he's the bad guy in Django, the the mean Australian, bad Australian guy. Yeah, like I don't know why he. I get that he's like I'm not an actor, so I'm not going to be in my movies all because I think. This movie, he's not is the it. well. He's the voice machine. Like he, oh, when she gets a when she gets a voicemail, he, it's his voice. But that was the last time he was on screen until whatever for his movies. Anyway, I'm pretty sure it was Django. I don't know if he was on screen ever. And Django, no. And what movie are you talking about? Because he's obviously in yeah. Reservoir Dogs. He's in Pulp Fiction. Then you comes wanna, Jackie Brown. If he was in Hateful Eight, more obviously there's no room for him to be in Hateful Eight. That's a good question. Is he in, in? Oh, he's the narrator. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, my bad. So he's, he's in like, the. He's, doing he's this in that Alfred Hitchcock thing where yeah. he sticks himself in there. Well, but I mean, he's taking more attention than Alfred Hitchcock about it. Yeah, because Alfred Hitchcock is like almost blinking, you'll miss him. Whereas uh, Tarantino, Tarantino like makes a scene for himself. Mm-hmm. Well, I, think Tarantino, I think I like Tarantino in Reservoir Dogs, but I didn't like him in. Uh, well, I didn't like him in Jungle Unchained. I thought it was just no. That was an awkward thing. It also comes at a bad time because it's where everyone thinks the movie should have ended, and then it's like the new stuff. So and you're already feeling fatigued. Yeah, because he's in it now. Yeah, and I feel like he just put himself in the in a bad place because it's like yeah, everyone's like, oh, this should have been done already. And then you see him, and you're already not in a good mood, and and he's doing a bad accent, and he's just weird. And I don't know if you want to uh, say this, but um, my friend was actually going to do a play of Reservoir Dogs, okay, back in my hometown in Kingston, but Tarantino never gave permission for it. So interesting. Yeah, I could see him not giving permission because I feel like he wants to start doing plays of his movie. Yeah, I guess so I could just see him to control. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, he probably said straight up, I don't want you to do it. So that's whatever. But I've, I've got to imagine that there's got to be some kind of weird legality. Like, there's got to be like the Weinsteins involved at that point, too, because they produced Pulp Fiction. So they've, I feel like it can't just be up to him, right? There's got to be other people. I do remember when his script was leaked for Jungle Unchained. And hatefully, end up making. Oh, and hatefully, he almost didn't make it. Yeah, yeah, because he was so pissed off at being leaked. I can see that too. 
But all, I feel like all of his scripts get leaked. Well, I basically got to watch, um, I basically read the script for Death Proof before it happened because it was leaked. I, I read, I never was able to read Django. I didn't, I wasn't able to read Hateful Eight, but I definitely was able to read Inglorious Bastards and Kill Bill. Okay. Yeah. But the Kill Bill script I saw was, it was like when it was the whole movie. So it, it starts with stuff from the second movie. Okay. It, it wasn't, it wasn't the two distinct movies that we know. Oh, no. Okay. It was, yeah, yeah, it was no, written all as one movie. About, yeah, that's yeah. the one that I had. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I think they decided to do that because it was too long to have them both together. So I guess they just thought about the fans and what the fans wanted. But, you know, they can have yeah, I think feature. once you get over three hours, you're asking a lot of people. No, did, what do you think about that? Uh, I guess it was a joke on the Facebook, but it was like, some guy was saying that if you make it a wall, that if a movie should be an hour and a half, then everybody would be happy. So what do you think about that? Do you think a movie should be an hour and a half? No. I think a movie is however long it needs to be. Like, uh, I love Wolf of Wall Street. That's a three-hour movie. But at no point am I Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. But at no point am I like, oh, man, like I'm really feeling it the three hours. Like, I enjoy the whole thing i liked it um whereas there are movies that are an hour and a half and i feel like it takes forever to get through them so it's all about like pacing no, and stuff true, like, yeah. like it's well, like I mean, if some... i'm not enjoying it an hour and a half is a long time but if mm-hmm. i'm enjoying it i would watch it for three hours i would like dark knight isn't three hours but it's one of my favorite movies and i remember like looking at my watch at one point and being like Oh man, like there's still like another hour and half, like there's still like an hour and twenty minutes left, and being so happy that there wasn't it wasn't going to end anytime soon. No, that's good. No, I can see what you mean. I guess as a film critic, when I'm getting paid to be there, and I hate the movie already, yeah, it's just like I I want to go now, but I can't go right now because then I'm not a good film critic. Whether when I make the decision, I hate this movie and. Um, nothing's gonna happen in the last yeah. half hour. That's gonna change my. Nothing's opinion. gonna save this movie. I, that's. I mean, yeah. When you're a film critic, I I don't like when people say it was bad. I walked out. I feel like no, no you didn't no. see the whole thing. And no. maybe yeah, it would have still been bad. But I feel like you gotta sit there and know for sure that well, it was. One of the things that I've learned from both of us from a friend is that uh, you can always find a redeeming quality in the film. I guess you always have to find something. That, that did well. Uh, yeah. Some supportive criticism. That's what I like to do. I mean, I'm I'm not a professional critic, but I do like when I criticize movies. I like to think of what went well and how they could have expanded on that to make the whole thing work. And I just want to stop you there. I think you're a professional critic. So. Oh, <laughs> thank you. No problem. Uh, this is what we do. This is yeah. what we do. We're doing it right now, and I think there's a tendency in our profession not to take it seriously because we enjoy doing what we're doing. Yeah. But my friend told me it's work, and that's, I yeah. think you're professional. So, I mean, look at this, look at what you've done here. I think it's very professional. It yeah. looks professional. If you guys could see this, I know you guys don't have the video option for this, but if you could see it, it looks mostly professional. We even have bottles of water. Like, that's what I, that's when I think it is professional. When you go when somewhere you and they, like, give you some bottles of we water. You also got me a nice tablecloth for my bed. For yeah. My, for my table. <laughs> It's this is it's full service nowadays. I uh, I used to do this really uh, grassroots, just like as I was telling you, 
the first couple episodes of this were just um talking into the computer <laughs> then was the first, was the first movie you ever did? so what actually happens is the first episode of every i, I break them into seasons i know podcasts don't actually have seasons but like we're in the fourth season now but everything is broken up by the oscars every season starts with an oscar, oh, thing. With oscar. so my friend sean who's been in a, in a saw movie and a couple other movies we did the 2013 oscars then uh wait well they would have been the movies from 2012 we did that was oscars noah did the second noah did one do you watch all the oscar movies then i try to there's certain so i certainly if they're nominated for best film i watch all of them okay i try to get all of the acting ones but there's always there always seems to be one Every year, where I'm like, can, uh, I'll watch it if it gets nominated. Like, I will help you this year with the foreign film ones, if you want to. Uh, we don't even talk about the foreign films one, but we can talk about. Yeah, we can. Yeah, I. We do. What do we do? We do. I, uh, hope, I've, I hope I've seen at least one. At yeah. The, at this year, Steph, I hope does you see at least one that it's in. Yeah. You've seen enough. I've only seen the one foreign film, and I know for sure it will not be nominated for anything. What was that? The Interchange movie. That was the Indonesian movie. Oh, Interchange, movie. yeah. You told me that. Or, sorry, Malaysian. No, I, I don't want to offend anyone. It, it's listed as Malaysian. Uh, but, yeah, it's not going to get nominated for anything. But I, I try to watch. We For the episodes, we do uh, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Written, like, Original, Adapted, uh, Best Director, and then Best Film. Nice. And I'll usually throw out what I think will win for best animated, but it's never really something we discuss. It's kind of, uh, and so the first episode proper of this uh, I did was Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah, with my friend Ian. Movies you like? Hmm? You like it? Yeah, I mean, it was really just I had the idea that I wanted to do this podcast where we like talk about it. We talk about the movie while it's playing, and I had. And I, the guest that I had was, I was just at his house and I was like, yeah, let's do this. And he had, he has his own podcast. So he had the setup. So I bit, my setup is based off of his setup uh, in terms of the mics and the stands and stuff. And he had Tropic Thunder. It was a movie that we both agreed, like, we don't need the sound for it. We'll know what's going on. And that pretty much informed that. What is the next movie? Oh, I feel bad for whoever did the next movie. No, I don't remember what it is. I, I don't know if I could remember either. Uh, I do know that uh, Noah was very soon in that. I think he might have been number five, which was Django. I know my friend Aiden did Dark Knight Rises. I did. So how many? How many have you done so far now? This is going to be episode seventy. Episode seven. Seven zero. Oh, 70. 70. Wow. Uh, but but you got to take out. Four. So it's probably 66 episodes of actual movies and then four for the Oscars. Why don't you have a party when you get to 100? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably what's going to happen. I'll give you this egg. When you get I to do want that egg. Don't break it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, need, I need that egg <laughs> as a congratulations. You made it to 100. If I do make it to 100, who, yes, who knows? Give you this egg. But I just want you to know that I'm giving um, I'm giving uh, my friend Daniel this poster. 
And oh, I know you can't really see it. I'm trying to show it to the microphone here. But um, I know, obviously, it's uh, it's it looks like one of those posters they would have had back with the movie. Well, it looks like it was from the 1970s. But uh, I'm sure Tarantino designed it that way. Thank uh, you. It's I, all yours. I, I do have to say who the second actual movie was. It was my friend Ben, and we did Skyfall. And I, I need to say that because Ben and I do another podcast. And you saw uh, Skyfall. Yeah, we, we did Skyfall. I saw Skyfall two times. That's why one of my favorite action movies. I really like that movie. People, I've, I mean, he doesn't like it that much. I know people who think it's not that good, but I really liked Skyfall. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I like Sam Mendes, so, so that he, it, that helps. But it's uh, funny because if you watch an episode of um, Welcome, Welcome to Sweden, they are talking about how, uh, in a joking way, they talk about how they like it when one of their actors is famous, mm. and uh, they were basically saying that everybody in Sweden knows the guy that was in the James Bond movie, Skyfall. And he's the Swedish actor. He's the one that fights fights Daniel Craig off the tower. And mm. he falls off the tower. And he's married to the woman who played the, the, the girl in the dragon, dragon tattoo. tattoo. Yeah. Numi Rapace. I don't know how to say her name. I, I'm terrible no, at pronouncing no, I'm it. No, no, try it. I, but I, I don't know his name. From watching thousands and thousands of food and films that I will never say anyone's name. Yeah. So I anyone just say, that person. That person. <laughs> you know that him. Movie. That guy. Ah, uh, man. I'm going to look up his name. And I'm gonna botch it like I did last time, but I, I do have a thing on this podcast where I don't like just you know saying you know that's that person's spouse or that I'll give them their credit and no, say no, I just I just I just don't want the Swedish laughing at me and I don't want to offend them because oh, I that's... like I like to buy a lot of things from IKEA. Uh, there so you go. I, They're I laughing at you anyway yeah, when no, we try to that, put that it together. From IKEA. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's still, really hard to put. His name's Ola Rap. Rup- uh, man, why did I even try? Anyway, so everyone knows that guy. Yes, everybody. And what the joke is that it's such a small country, and everybody wants to say hi and say congratulations on making the James Bond movie. It was kind of a That's funny nice. joke, I guess. We do. I did some traveling with these Irish guys, and uh, they were just telling me about how many times they've met all the Irish actors, but they didn't like any of them. And I was like, come on. Like, they didn't like Pierce Brosnan. They don't like Liam Neeson. They specifically don't like Killian Murphy. And I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, those guys... Well, I don't really care about Killian Murphy. But I like Liam Neeson and I like uh, Pierce Brosnan. Those guys, are they seem yeah. all right. My sister got to meet Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. She had a good time with him. That's mm-hmm. probably something. I don't know. Well, Makes up for her getting robbed, I guess. I don't... <laughs> I just saw a Liam Neeson movie at TIFF that was the English one that I saw with the caption. And, um, it was called The Monster Coast. Monster is that the one Coast. where he's the voice of, like, the, the kid... The kid imagines him, and like he's it's there. It's a little more complicated than that, but yes, I saw the trailer. But, but yeah. it's so funny because um, he has the good voice for it. He has uh, it's like working for him, and you know he's a, he would be a good a good announcer, a good narrator, and so he tells stories. I agree. Liam trailer. Neeson and Morgan Freeman have the best narrator voices. Like I would listen to them. Yeah, yeah. Talk about anything. Talk about penguins. Yeah, I did. I did watch him talk about penguins, Morgan Freeman, and then I watched the Bob Saget parody one. What's what's the... Bob Saget did like oh, a parody yeah, okay. one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Farce of the Penguins, I guess. That's a good one. Okay, so I guess um, we're gonna get back here to this. They movie. just had a sex scene. That's cool. Yeah. Um, 
So I hope you've done your homework and you understand what's happening. And oh, uh, the Delphonics were just on uh, Luke Cage. Now that I've actually seen the show, I can say with certainty they well, were. Well, I love this scene because I think, I think the actors actually have experienced what they're looking at. That they, yeah. they enjoy those kinds of songs and that kind of thing. And they're right now, I'm pretty sure they're playing uh, yeah, Foxy Brown. The or they were playing Foxy Brown, who was on the soundtrack. And I, I liked back in the day when you you could actually hear the songs from the soundtrack in the movie. And uh, they just happened. But did you know that um, we're not there yet? But when Jackie, when Jackie walks out of a movie theater, just walking out of Jackie Brown. Oh, no, this I did not know It's kind of like that. an inception thing, if you think yes. about it, because how could they finish Jackie Brown when she's in the ending of Jackie Brown? I want to no. see... So you're saying, like, the, the end scene where in the mall and you get to see it from everyone's point of view, she walks out of Jackie Brown? Yes. Oh, man, I'm definitely going to have to pay attention. That's crazy. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it soon. Yeah, I think, I think for me, that's my favorite part of the movie is showing everyone's perspective. Yes, and it's, I like it's great. It. I like how long they spend in the shopping mall. I think it's very, it's very realistic. And and you know how long you would spend in the shopping mall. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, it just blew my mind because it was like she's listening to the music of Jackie Brown because she just watched herself. <laughs> yeah, and also, there's some theories going around that Tarantino's films are related to each other. Yeah, I think yeah. he confirmed it. Yeah. I feel like he irons out what people's like assumptions are, but he is. I think he has said, "Yeah, they're all in the same universe." Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting too. I think he was saying that you know some of the people in Django Unchained are ancestors of yeah. the modern day people. Well, in that one, I think he was saying this. So not his movie, but I think he is saying that Django and Broomhilda are Shaft's ancestors. Oh well, okay. Uh, I think that's what he's saying. Um, and I think at one point he wanted to connect Samuel Jackson's character to Django. Like, that would have been a more direct um, link. But I don't... Uh, from Hateful Eight, that is. Do but you I don't know think what he's doing now? I'm not sure. sure. Do you know if he's doing any no. projects? No. I think he's just talking about stuff. I know I know that the last time I heard him speak, he wanted to do... He was really wanting to do Hateful Eight as a play. Okay. That's interesting. Then. Okay. What's happening in this scene? Oh, this is, isn't this, I feel like this is her trying to, like, get him on board with that caper that they do at the end, the whole okay. switching money and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so she's turned it around. He was going to kill her, and now he's, he, she's going to make him think she, he'll be able to pull oh, one yeah, over her. Oh, yeah, they're going to trap him. Yeah. Yes, they're going to trap him. And then she will escape. Yeah. But does she know, stay with Robert Forrester, or does she just go her own way and tell him to meet her? I know. I, I almost want them to be together. Yeah, I, I definitely want them to be together. But they're not. No. Okay. You've but reminded me. Track her down later. I'd be like, hey, do you want to go on another date again? I yeah. They they seem like they'd be happy together. Yeah, I think they would be. I think they, I think I think you would be in a relationship where you would not use the N word. Yeah, he definitely would not be like Quentin Tarantino's character in Pulp Fiction. No, I think, I think, I think um, I really love this movie because I have seen Robert Forster and a few other things. I've seen Pam Grier and a few other things, but 
I just knew that I'm like these actors just from this movie. Yeah. I didn't need to see more than one movie to know that I like them as actors. And so I, you know, this is a movie where probably some no-name actors at least to a lot of a lot of movie-going audiences today could come to like these people and to come and realize that everybody in this movie is talented. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's what's quite selling point here. You might be a bit off mic. Pardon me? You I'll might be a bit off mic, yeah. Uh, should I say that again? Or you think you got it? Uh, you can say it again, maybe just to get it clean, but... Yeah, sure. Uh. So I would just say that, you know, everyone in this movie just points that A-game, even when they're um, doing the dope here. <laughs> but, yeah, they're, um, they they're smoking. Are, you know, I think it's the movie where you just feel like, you know, everyone is able to bring the best to the screen, even if you haven't seen that before. Yeah. I agree. Uh, there was no, there are no weak links in this movie for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think it's definitely an ensemble, an ensemble piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they actually use this apartment or this kind of apartment in um, Life of Quiet. Oh, okay. I think they used the shot there. That would yeah, be smart. Check it out. And Jennifer Aniston is playing a new character, right? She's not tied to. Uh, She's not a, she's not tied to any of these. No, but I think she's she's in the movie. I think the but Jennifer Aniston is a different character, yes. Okay. But she also has to outsmart Samuel Jackson's yeah. character. Oh man. That Samuel Jackson is but it's, but it's I mean because it's most deaf, right? Is yeah, it most, just, yeah. I'm gonna just look it up. Mm-hmm. But I know I I know I appreciated it, but I didn't like it as much as this one. But yeah, it's still worth seeing to flesh out your knowledge about these characters and the kinds of things they're doing. Wait, is her name Melanie in this movie? Melanie? No, probably yeah. not, right? Her oh, it is? is Melanie. Oh, so Isla Fisher plays her. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like Isla Fisher. Uh, let's see. We're almost halfway there. Yeah. So. Uh, so. <laughs> Very interesting. Do I have anything interesting? Uh, about this movie, not particularly. I probably have to see more stuff. I I mean, I'm trying to give you some fun facts to it, but I need to pace myself. Oh yeah. I still have another Don't two hours d- left to go, so you have to stay tuned here for more fun facts that will come out of my mouth. Yeah, I try because I never know how many of these things people can't just read off of IMDb. Whereas I like what you've been saying, like stuff like connecting it to Life of Crime is interesting to me. Or I never, I never knew that Jackie that Jackie Brown comes out of Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. That is no, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that one. Yeah, but I basically just like read in the trivia section and IMDb. Yeah. but you can also put your own trivia there too. So yeah, you can see if they had the Chucky Brown cast of Chucky Brown, and if they didn't have it, you can put it in. If you want. I'm going to put it in anyway. I've seen a lot of. Well, I can't remember what I just read the trivia. But it might have been. Yeah, I think it is. If you go to the Miss Peregrine's uh, peculiar children trivia, it's pretty much only five bits of trivia, but they've restated them like two or three times each. Oh, just you just have to word it differently, and apparently they're fine with keeping it up there. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Wikipedia. Might as well write yeah. the story or something. Yeah. 
But yeah, uh, that's interesting that people actually are upset that um, uh, Samuel Jackson's the only black person in that movie he's and he's the bad guy. Because I thought about that for a second and I didn't really care because I was just like, I can't believe he got Samuel Jackson in this movie. Well, I just think, um, if you excuse me for saying this, but I think with the title that Peculiar Children, I think you should have a lot of different races involved. Yes. If the, if the children are indeed peculiar, I think part of the problem is that they I think what have a different ways that would make them peculiar. Where they wrote themselves into a corner, yeah, or yeah. maybe they did it on purpose so no, they would they, have an um, excuse. Is the that author, from my understanding, the author became more diverse after the first book. Yeah. But um, it was Tim Burton's choice that would have. Yeah, it's his choice, but I think I would, I would be like, uh, maybe you could have a black person, but it seemed like it was really like, oh, these are these kids that are in this specific Welsh town uh, during World War II. I don't know how much diversity oh, no, would have been in that group. I mean, he didn't have to do it that way. He could have had some diversity there, but well, I guess they're safe on that sense of the logic of where they are specifically. Because no, it's no, not no. like they're in London where it would have been a more uh, diverse city. It was definitely some small town in Wales. No, 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 yeah. That's important to remember. But at the same time, you just have to remember that it's acting. Yeah. And any, I can understand that you can say, Okay, we're making a movie about Shakespeare in England, and we can't have any black people in it. No, uh, much to do about nothing with Denzel Washington playing. Was he playing Keanu Reeves' brother? I don't remember. The point is, no, I the first cast, another Michael Keaton movie, loved it. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 and, and it just boggles me because I think, I think when people watch movies, they forget about theater, and in yeah. theater. A black person can play anything. Yes. And you can, you know, we can have a black Annie, and then all these people were screaming and yelling because they didn't want to have a black character be that person. That movie did stink, but not because she was black. Nope. Nope. Uh, I think your thing is stuck. Your mm-hmm. your movie, it's uh, paused. Oh, my movie is stuck. Just some technical difficulties. Nothing we can't talk over while we figure this out. I think we'll be fine. Do you know how? Do you know how to use a PlayStation? Oh yeah. Um, As you can see, better. All right. So we're back. Uh, done with all the technical glitches. We're back in the bar with uh, Robert De Niro and Samuel Jackson. I wasn't really paying attention, so I'm just hoping this is right. Uh, and. Based on the uh, title, this is uh, Samuel Jackson letting, um, I wish I remembered their names, but Robert De Niro know that it's okay that he had sex with uh, Bridget Fonda. He's, she's yeah. just his little surfer gal. That's so actually like, the t- uh, It's like the Yes. Them. Yeah. Unfortunately for women. <laughs> yeah. And, um, oh yeah. Okay, I've got Pam Greer's filmography here. I wish it was in a better list format in terms of not reading like this. But she was in a movie called Greased Lightning. That's interesting. Yeah, she was in a movie called The Valley of the Dogs. She's also in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I did not know that. So she has worked with Keanu Reeves, or at least in a movie with Keanu Reeves. 
Good. He's in Escape from L.A. People didn't much like that, but that's Kurt Russell. We've talked about him. Oh, boy. Mm. What I like about this is that it goes past... uh, it goes past uh, Jackie Brown into the 2000s. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess they had some time yeah. for the DVD release, I guess. And here we are at the shopping mall scene. And uh, this is where things are going to get fascinating. Things are just extremely fascinating in the scene because it's the longest scene of the movie. And when the scene is finished, the movie is finished. Yep. And we get to finally see what you were talking about. Yes. About the, uh, it's gonna pause again. I think it might. Eh. We'll have to see if it is we'll see. indeed. I'll. What I'll say is this: uh, it looked interesting that um, Pam Greer was dressing like Samuel Jackson in that scene. She had her backwards can go. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's trying to psych Jackson out, basically. Just trying to psych him out. Yeah. But if we is again. Yeah. Okay. Oh, still going. Mm. yeah you know what i feel like we can just talk out the rest of this i don't think we have but we can do you want to try and do like another pass on this disc or we want to get together again where is that what is your what do you want to do because i can go and oh, buy another dvd because i like this movie a lot okay finish it oh, but, you know, if I... you want to just dumb talk it out Let's let's see how this goes. This could be another landmark episode for this uh, podcast where we talk it out. It seems to be going fine right now. No, let's... I just don't want to be like, I don't want to be the guy that just ruined everything for you. Because this we roll with the punches on this podcast. There's no ruining anything as long as everyone's having a good time. Uh, what we can do is, I feel like we can talk this out. It's seeming to play properly right now, um, and we'll just have you back and do a movie where we know it'll work. No, that's true. I mean, right now you think it's going to be okay. Yeah. Did you, did you skip a lot? I didn't skip anything. I just kept pausing it to, like, hopefully let it catch up. Okay. Well, I, I think, know it's not buffering, but some, it's it seems to have helped something. Yeah, I think you'll... I, I hope it'll be okay. So, here's Bridget Fonda trying on some dresses. I think this chapter is called The Red Dress. Um... Where it's like, oh, you look nice in that dress. Have you ever had a mustache like he has? No, I don't like having facial hair, but my wife thinks I look too young without it. Okay. okay. So, so I've never had, I can't grow facial hair properly. It's, I okay, just but look. Can you, can you put on a, you can put on a prosthetic. Oh, yeah, probably. I don't, I don't want to. I would look like uh, Denzel in The Magnificent Seven. Yes, I haven't seen that yet. It's, you made a comment earlier uh, about, Django without the racial tension, if that's possible, and it is, and it's called uh, Magnificent Seven. It's pretty much there's like direct scenes that mirror Django. The scene where uh, Denzel has to make uh, to prove that he's a that he's got a warrant for someone, and it plays out exactly like uh, Christoph Waltz in the in that uh, wow. thing. And there's another thing that's exactly like Django, that- but I don't remember. It's a good thing or a bad thing to have scenes exactly like scenes. It's one of those movie. things where, like, because of the circumstances, I don't know how they would have done it differently. Like, it, like 
no, no, there's no. only so much you can do, right? Like, and it's already in our heads from Django to see a black man in that situation now. So everyone's going to use that as a callback. But we it's not, a, it does, it's, I don't think that you could. We have a term for that. But I forget what the term is, and we use it in English class. And it's a term for, you know, when you have a stereotypical scene. Yeah. When you have a thing that happens so many other times. It actually can't be copyrighted. Okay. So when you have a training montage, for example, yeah. you can't say, I came up with it first. And therefore, sue all the 500 billion training montage scenes out there. Yeah, That's see, it's, it's like that. It was like, we're because of the impact Django had on everyone, now we know the terminology for being like, oh, I've got this warrant for this person, dead or alive. We all know how that should play out. Or at least we've got a good template for how that should play mm. out. No, and it pl- pretty much plays out like that in Magnificent Seven, and so I can't I can't say that he, um, Antoine Fuqua watched that and was like I'm gonna copy that. And I also know that Denzel and Quentin have a past of not liking each other. They actually fought, um, so I don't know that Denzel would want to copy a Quentin thing. So, uh, what movie was it? It was uh, Crimson Tide that Quentin Tarantino did rewrites on. Mm-hmm. And I think Denzel took him to task for uh, using the N-word so much. And they had a shoving match, I think. Oh, well. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Denzel and Quentin do not get along. I don't think Quentin holds on to it much. I think he's kind of like, he doesn't like my stuff. No, I think I think actors are an interesting breed of people because they they all have these different interactions. And we may think that their job is easy, but... You know, it's a lot of a lot of sitting around and being told what to do. And yes. Probably got a lot of pent-up anger and frustration. Yeah, this is like um, everyone like uh, wanted to bash Christian Bale during uh, Terminator 4 or whatever one it was. Uh, and I, I remember being like, I, I'm kind of on his side. I get why he's so angry. I, I get the, the thing. I know it's not a popular opinion, but like I feel like and I've only done very limited acting. And I remember, like, the feeling of, like, if someone was like, oh, we can't use this take because this, this, or, for whatever reason. You feel like you've wasted your time, especially since it is so much sit, wait, okay, let's go. And to his point, when he was getting angry of, you know, uh, this is an emotional scene. I need to be able to get there. Like, I can't just turn that off and on. No, that's true. And if you're behind there, why are you, why are you moving the lights while we're shooting anyway? Mm-hmm. Like, just have the lights set, and <laughs> then we'll shoot the scene. Um, and the frustration with the director for not having that under control. I, I, I understood his frustration. Maybe he said it in a dickish way, but I was kind of yeah. like, nah, come on, man. Like, he's got a point. Him. Like, it's on. And if the scene didn't work, it would be on him. No one would know about the lighting guy who was throwing uh, Christian Bale off or even blame the director. They would blame Christian Bale. Oh, and I'm sure he knows that as well. I think people forget that, you know, movie making is a, it's an industry. Yeah. Like, if we, every time you see Pam Gray or you oh, see you're, Rob you're off mic again. like that. You're off mic again. Every time you see those people, you uh, there's probably 50 people just watching them on set. Yeah. It's not, it's not just a good old time. Like, there's a bunch of, like, you got, like, hey, hit your mark here. Like, you have to stand exactly like this so that we can get this information. So you can't just wing it or like Christian Bale, you can't just turn it off and on. You kind of have to be ready to go when they say 
action and get it right. Yeah. So sure. as little distraction as possible would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, how did we get there? Oh yeah, Denzel doesn't like Quentin. I hope they work together one day. And these people again? No, Denzel and Quentin. Oh yes, yes. I mean, if you watch Quentin, if you watch Crimson Tide, I think specifically there's a scene where Denzel breaks up a fight between two guys because they're fighting over who's the best silver, who's the best person to write Silver Surfer. That's that's Quentin Tarantino dialogue that um, Denzel has to rattle off. But I would like to watch a whole movie where Denzel Washington has to give uh, Quentin Tarantino dialogue. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, there's so many talented actors that I wish that Tarantino would work with. But uh, he, I do like him bringing people back, though. I, I'm, I'm happy to see that as well. Like uh, for Hateful Eight. What? No. Yeah, no, I guess he didn't really no, bring that back. Um, I, I meant John Travolta. Yeah, John Travolta. I screwed up here. I said Brad Pitt. To Maybe Brad Pitt will need to have a comeback. Um, but Brad Pitt wasn't a Tarantino mm. movie. With, he was in two romance. Yes. And Inglorious Bastards. Oh, no, my bad. That's uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yes. And, yeah, he's in True Romance. That's a good... I like him in that role, too. Mm-hmm. But funny, he's the stoner on the couch. Yeah. Um... What uh, what else? Oh, I I realize now. Christopher the... Walken, man. That's oh, what it. a great what a great scene. The eggplant scene. Yeah, he was in Two Romans, and then he was in um, Pulp he Fiction. Was in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot he was in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, I tried to memorize the monologue. I'm never gonna memorize that. I'm terrible at memorizing things. I have to rap, uh, and I'm barely able to memorize that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's not exactly an age-appropriate monologue. No. It's not good for the children that listen to the podcast. We were talking before about how many children listen to the podcast. How many shouldn't? 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds come to listen to you. Yeah, I feel like this podcast is safe for 12- and (laughs) 13-year-olds. And when I say they shouldn't listen to it, it's not that I think they shouldn't hear swear words. Because without context, it doesn't really matter. Like, there's so many movies that I rewatch. I'm like, oh, there's so many, like... There's so much swearing and, like, sexual stuff that just completely went over my head as a kid. I just mean, like, yeah, I don't want it to go over their head. I want them to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might change that if I ever have kids. Maybe I wouldn't want them to swear. That, I think that's it. It's more, I don't care if they hear swearing. It's when they go to school and they start swearing and getting in trouble for swearing. And then people look at you like a bad parent for not stopping your kid from swearing. So I assumed that before you got married um, last month. You talked to your wife about children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had it's that been talk, yeah. And you, you have a number of kids that you want to have. What well, there's a number of kids I know I can afford. Okay, yes, that's true. Zero. It's a big it's a big <laughs> thing though. No, we have to make sure we can afford the children. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, ideally I would like to have two so that they have a companion. Going oh, up. that's true. I but was I, I was an only child. Yeah, I, I mean, realistically, it's looking like it would be one kid. <laughs> I don't, I can't fathom being able to pay for more than one kid at this point. I, I can't imagine having kids. I can't stand them, and I'm a teacher, so that's basically. It. I am not a teacher for that very reason. I hate repeating myself, and I don't like when kids try. Because I feel like growing up, and I don't know what it's like now. I'm sure you'll have some insight, but. Kids know that you are limited in what you can do to reprimand them, 
and they try to push your buttons, and I don't like it. We have to take away that Pokemon code. Yeah, see, you, you can take anything. things away from you them, but they also know that you can't do anything to actually effectively stop what they're doing. Like if you no, touch them, I, you're I in trouble. My... Yeah, they just know how to push buttons, and I can't do it. No, I don't. Yeah, I I think that's why I'm you know trying to keep my options open. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I. I like the I like teaching the English literature. I like the stories. I like learning about that. But sometimes the politics is too tough to handle. Yeah, it is. It's rough being a teacher. I would imagine. I've had I had another teacher on the podcast. We did Finding Nemo a little more age appropriate. But like, uh, uh, yeah, it's just rough. Also, this is my favorite scene of the movie. I think this is when Robert De Niro is trying to. um, But he's going to die, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to die, but it's him explaining to Samuel Jackson why he killed Bridget Fonda. No, and he's like, why didn't me- you just hit her? <laughs> can you tell me if um, can you tell me if any of these characters regret what they were doing? Does I don't think Samuel... Do regret killing uh, Bridget Fonda's character? I don't think so. But does Samuel Jackson regret no. killing Robert De Niro? No. So they're all a bunch of psychopaths then. They're, yeah, they're not good people. They're terrible people. I think... But didn't we think that there could have been some good parts of their personalities in terms of the conversations that they were having to this point? The fact that he's willing to just kill uh, presumably his good friend is yeah, not I a good sign. The fact that that guy was willing to shoot someone in the middle of the day in a parking lot, not a good sign. I don't know that you want to try and redeem them after that. Yeah. Do you want to go outside to the parking lot and we can have a conversation? No, I don't, I don't want to get shot. <laughs> no, I just think, I don't think they, I think any uh, form of regret you see on Robert Downey, oh man, why do I keep saying that? Robert De Niro's face is him having to explain himself to Samuel Jackson. I think he does not appreciate having being put in that situation, but I don't think he cares that he killed that oh, one. Oh, Yes. Why just shoot her? That's, you shot her. You shot Melody. You shot her. They worked my ass off to get to where I am. I know. The yeah, see, this whole like, up. oh, fuck you. Fuck you for asking me that. You, how could you ask me that? And, uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, at the end of this story, oh, you're gonna have at to the move end over. of this scene, um, Robert De Niro is going to be dead. Yeah, yeah. you're going to have to move over. You're, you're going to have to move over to the mic. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Winter is coming. Yeah, there we That's go. That's a Game of Thrones spoiler. Little uh, a Ned. Ned, oh. what's his face? Stark. Okay. Just reference that. Yes. Um. So. Did, did he just die yet? No, he's not dead yet. Okay. Yeah. I like that he's got red hair. That's a nice touch too. Uh, Samuel Jackson, his red hair. That's true. He's thinking about it. He's thinking. Oh, I don't. I mean, I. He's obviously thinking something through. So maybe sociopath is more like it. Is yeah. he's weighed the options here? I was afraid that the. I was afraid the video froze again. No, no, no. No, thank you. We should be good, but I think yeah, I think he definitely is thinking there of like, if I kill him, what's the worst that could happen? So. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's so he's worse than Robert De Niro. Yes, that's true. Well, that must saw that. Yeah, we're just treating women as if they're objects. Yeah, that's perfect. And just this whole like, 
you see that like he had the wherewithal to think this through. It wasn't a trick. It wasn't like a flash decision like uh, Robert De Niro's decision to kill Bridget Fonda. He actually is like, I'm gonna kill this guy now. Mm-hmm. Well, he just touched Robert De Niro there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, if the sound was on, I'd probably be like, "Oh, he was just thinking more of like, did this guy rob me?" Mm-hmm. No, I think true. that's what he's thinking is that. He thinks Melanie is somewhere with the money and that Robert De Niro is going to meet her later and he just got played. I think that's what happened is that he was thinking it through to say, did he doesn't believe Melanie's dead, I think is where we're at. Is no, that he no, yeah, thinks he thinks that Robert De Niro made a side deal with Melanie after Look they had at me sex. When I'm talking to you. Yeah. After they had sex, that they had a plan to screw over Samuel Jackson and she's somewhere with the rest of the money. I think that's what he thinks is happening, and that's why he kills Robert De Niro. I take back all the sociopath stuff. This is a justified kill. Kill him. (laughs) No, I know it. I know it's just... That's just one of those interesting things where the conversation itself is is the battle between the two of them. And, uh... And, you know... When you can't talk, when you can't talk, that's when you're going to die. So I think that's how you look at this. They better back off. And then gunshot. Here we are. Yeah, like, I can't dead. believe you killed me. I bet this... That's probably why I haven't watched Life of Crime yet, is knowing how their relationship ends, it would probably suck watching a movie where they're good friends, knowing where that's leading. No, I know. I think that's kind of the point that we were just on. No. But, um, you know, I think... I think it happens in a lot of movies, you know, there's a relationship, and then you know it's going to end badly. But, you know, they have their good moments, and they have their bad moments. I don't like movies like that. I'm going to tell you that right now. Blue Valentine, Revolutionary Road. I, it's, I watch them, but it makes me upset. Which movie? Revolutionary Road and uh, Blue Valentine. Oh, yes, Valentine. Revolutionary Road. I, I saw that one, yeah. And Blue Valentine, the Ryan Gosling one. Like, I... I don't like knowing that I'm going to watch the deterioration of oh, evolution. Oh, you don't like that I just 500, 500 days of summer. That one's better. This this is what I was getting at, and now I've, I, I've dropped the ball. So 500 days of summer, I had seen after I wrote my book. My, my book is pretty much 500 days of summer. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a problem with that. And then that Kings of Summer movie was the second book I was going to write, except for that I watched that movie before I finished the second book and was like, oh, it's the exact same thing and so i stopped writing the book but like uh i just feel like um no i understand i I mean i mean obviously right now you just got married yeah i think you are a point in your life if you excuse me for saying this that you just watch watch stories of successful relationships maybe and you want yeah you want to have the blueprint from what you do with your wife to make sure that it lasts for a long time yeah i don't i mean We've also talked about what what uh, would make our relationship deteriorate. I know there's no, it's a foolhardy thing to be like, we're going to beat the odds and nothing bad will happen to us. We just know what we want to, what the ideal situation would look like in terms of if one of us felt like we needed to uh, step out of the relationship. So that's good. I think uh, I watched this, that Netflix series, Easy, and there was an episode that I really... I just started with the first episode. Do you like it? Should I watch it? Should I not? Can you tell me more? There is one episode that really bothers me. 
Which episode? And it's not connected to any of the other episodes. Well, I mean, none of them are connected, are they? Yeah, they are. Oh, they are. I thought it was just random. If you watch the first episode, the yeah, second... Was, the first episode was about the, um, the husband and the wife. Yeah, the couple yeah, so that they, want... And they were trying every, to spice up their love life. Yeah, every episode, every episode, I feel like, features a couple at a certain point in their relationship. Okay. So that was the uh, How Do We Spice Up Our Sex Life episode. The next episode features their nanny oh, their their babysitter yeah so that okay. was their babysitter oh i didn't realize that yeah My bad. i should have so yeah. that's their babysitter and she even goes back to their house in that second episode oh okay um but this one i don't know why it's not connected but it really upsets me do you mind if i tell you what happens or do you want to um can you tell me first if i should try and watch the whole thing or if i shouldn't bother? it's overall fine i think the best episode is the Mark Marin episode, and that one connects. Uh, that one actually does connect to the first episode as well. I'm okay if you tell me whatever you want to tell me. There's this one episode, once again, not connected to any of the other ones, other than the fact that it's in Chicago. It's all in Spanish, so the subtitles are on no matter what. So that's oh. good. Actually, no, that's not true. There's two. There's two exchanges in English, but for the most part, it's all in Spanish, mm-hmm. and. I'm going to just say this ahead of time. I know people won't have a problem with this like in general, but I don't like watching movies about cheating. I don't like it. Like it's, it, I know that you're like, oh, you like Mad Men, but I didn't like that uh, John Hamm's character cheated so much. It really did annoy me. I don't like when men do it. I don't like when women do it. It's, there's no like sexist imbalance there. I just don't like cheating. I'm, and it's part of what I've talked with my wife. Like, if you feel like you have to, you might as well just be like, hey, uh, I'm stepping out of this relationship. Like, I know that's that's an idealistic thing, but that's what I would prefer. I would rather someone tell me, like, I don't want to do this anymore than well, have them feel like they want to sneak around and do stuff. But in this episode, it's about a guy. Sense. It's about this guy who um, they just move into their place, and the episode actually starts with them trying to buy furniture for their new place. So it's that new that they don't even have furniture in the place. And he gets a call from his friend, who is also his wife's ex-boyfriend. Oh, dear. And that guy comes over, and cheating happens. I don't want to get into it. But, like, it actually made me feel sick to my stomach that I was like, but, like, this didn't need to happen. Like, and in every other episode, I feel like there is some sort of transgression that happens. And, but the couple at the center of it get to, like, deal with it in whatever way like there's always some understanding that comes to it there's always some kind of resolution of whatever that transgression was and this episode doesn't have that it's just cheating happens and then you're like uh, and then it's done and you're like but why like what what's the point that's trying to be made here other than like and it would have been fine if all the episodes are like that but it was like it's the one episode that sticks out of like that happen. there's obviously a problem with the relationship but at no point does the episode want to get into fixing it. It's just no. like, oh, that's just a that's just gonna keep happening because yes. of because of what they've created here. And I'm like, oh, that's that's a well, horrible that, feeling. That reminds me of the Canadian film and take the Schwartz. Mm, I wanted to watch. Yeah, see, I don't want to watch it's that a, one either. It's a place in Toronto Island. Yeah, it's like yeah. actually, it actually is set in Toronto, right? And Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen in. Uh, yeah, and I like I don't. I'm going to watch it, I feel like, at some point. But I, I really don't like knowing that I'm getting into a cheating situation. And as I said, I also don't like when men cheat. Like, I feel, it's like, come on, man. Like, just don't be in the relationship. It's just as easy to be like, 
and I get that some people like. I think um, I some people like that it's hurting the other or that it could hurt the other person. They're getting away with it, but that's why I don't like cheating. It's like it's such what a mean the movies, thing. Uh, one of the movies that was interesting was called um, The Commune. I watched that at TIFF. It's hmm. a Swedish movie, and it's a story about in the nineteen seventies how a uh, a couple um, that inherit the husband's father's house. Mm-hmm. And it's a big house. It's a mansion. So they want to uh, fill it up with people. And so they decide to have a commune. <laughs> and it was in the 1970s where I think in the United, in the United States we had a lot of communes as well. And uh, this is in uh, Sweden. And, of course, it, it falls apart because um, you can't have a bunch of people living together for so long without something happening. Yeah. But I really liked it because it showed... Uh, it almost made it. It almost made it, except for the husband wanting to step out on his wife. Yeah. And uh, it's another one of those stories. But this time, it wasn't cheated because he, well, he kind of cheated a bit. But then he got her permission. So it kind of became an open relationship. See, then, the, the, then there's that. Like, if it was like, and I get, and I I mean, it's an episode that still sticks out. But like, it, as I said, like, it didn't follow the thing. And in this movie, it seems like, he feels like, oh, I'm, I'm, I have these feelings for this other person. Whether it's just, I want the sex part of it. It doesn't mean anything to me. At least there was a discussion with his partner of yes, like, what? Right. Yeah. This is, this is where I'm at. But what? it was really funny because um, the husband is an asshole. Yeah. And so he's like, I'm so sick and tired of women. I'm so sick and tired of the female problem. <laughs> and I can't, I can't take this anymore. I can't take you, and I can't take my mistress. So stop talking to me. Wow. And I'm like, okay, dude, you officially suck right now. Because yeah. you just complained about two women who love you, apparently. And what was really interesting was, in the commune, the two women actually get along with each other. Huh. And they actually respect each other. So it's the man who's the big baby about this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's a, it's just a flip of the usual thing. Yeah. There was a... Um, yeah, I, I'm... Yeah, I... Mm. I'm always gonna have a trouble have trouble when the movie is about cheating or well, I think, the breaking I think, up. I think it, because it's stereo, it's stereotypical for you too. It's it's like you see the same thing happening over and over again. Yeah, I think I have the same problem when it comes with um when it comes with investigations. When there's an investigation about a murder, yeah, I have a problem with it because I know the guy or the person's eventually going to get caught. And I'm tired of watching the police come into the house and asking you questions. And then you're like, oh, my God, how can I cover this up? How can I cover this up? And then you just move this over here and you think it's good enough. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, my God, they'll never find out. They'll never find out. And I know that you're an amateur. And I know that eventually they're going to find out. And, you know, uh, I really so like... There's some movies that can do it well. I, I, like, uh, I liked Dial M for Murder. Oh yeah, I I enjoyed the yeah. idea that he's well, whatever he wants to kill his wife, and all the stuff gets in the way of of that happening. And I did enjoy the whole "is he gonna get caught?" Isn't he? Because sometimes I am like, "Come on, man! Like this, you could get away with it. You just just do this." Mm-hmm. You like Alfred Hitchcock then? Most of his movies, yeah. My favorite movie, not just of his, but just my favorite movie is North by Northwest. Is what? North by Northwest, the Cary okay. Grant. Uh, movie from is it? It's 1960. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I had to watch it in film class, but I was just like, oh man, this movie has everything. Like, 
There's some there's some fun like witty back and forth. There's all that sexual innuendo. There's action scenes. Um, I just enjoyed that movie. Have you ever seen? I have it ready to watch, but I haven't. I haven't dug it. Is that no? That's is that Jimmy Stewart? James Stewart. I'm not a fan of James Stewart and Alfred Hitchcock together. I I just I don't like Vertigo. Wait, 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 wait. This one's different. I There's feel like a, this one is another like. Can he get away with it? Like uh, no, 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 no. I mean, James. No, I, uh, I'm not telling you the end. No, don't. But, um, but it's interesting because that it was one of the first open displays of homosexuality mm-hmm. in the film, and uh, it's the same guy from Strange vs. the Twin, Barney Granger. I guess huh. um, he's one of the people. And uh, he was the one on Strangers on the Train that wanted to kill the other guy's father. But they switched. He wanted to kill. He wanted to kill the other guy's wife and the girlfriend. So um, I think Alfred Hitchcock was a bit more open-minded than people thought he was, but he still ended up, you know, starting, falling into the same tropes of yeah. representing homosexuality. But in um. Yes, my bad. I thought something was bad within that. No, but, I just... Um, yeah, but uh, I think Wope is interesting because it was going on tracking shots. Yeah. I, I've i been told I need to watch it, and I do like Alfred Hitchcock, so I'm going to watch it. I just had stayed away from it because it looked like another James Stewart and Alfred Hitchcock thing. For your information, he doesn't talk much. No, I like James Stewart. I just don't. I haven't seen a movie yet with the two of them that I like. I think you'll like this one. Okay. I bet you $3,000. It's a lot of money. I probably I probably will like it. I, I uh, Yeah, I don't like Rear Window, and I don't like Vertigo. No, I think, I think the other movies that you watched with James Stewart, they were just like, he was like a spy, or he was an agent or something. So I think you'll like him as a philosophy professor. All right. And I think he was he was born for the he was born for the war that he has in Wope, because he um because the story about Wope is that these two boys who are in a relationship together because discreetly you can see that they only have one bed in their apartment and they live together, so that's where they the first mention of being gay that you would have you would have ever had and uh, they basically decide to do an experiment they decide to see if they can kill someone. And James Dewart is their philosophy professor. Oh, and he kind of lets them know what the... So he's the one that judges them for their actions. Okay. And it's like, who are you to think that you can take a life? Who are you to think that you can play with these people's souls? And, you know, fuck you for doing that. <laughs> that kind of thing. So I, think I would he... love to hear him say fuck you for doing that. Yeah, so I think um, he... yeah, it's not In North by Northwest, there's also a gay character. But the uh, censors made him cut out almost all instances of it, except for one thing, which uh, isn't the perfect example. But he, uh, who's the guy who plays him again? He's a Martin Landau. Uh, plays the gay character, and uh, throughout the whole movie, you can see. And I know they've cut back some stuff, obviously, because it was probably more overt. But like he doesn't like the bad guy has this sidekick, and the sidekick is played by Martin Landau, and it's quite clear that he loves the bad guy, 
and there's a scene where he's trying to convince the bad guy to leave the woman alone and he's like why like what's the big deal and he's like oh i have women's intuition or something and that's i think the only thing the censors let keep in in terms of like a a weird thing that he says and i was just like oh you probably should have kept the other stuff but uh because yeah i guess alfred hitchcock had all the sexual innuendos and stuff and cut out all of martin lando's sexual innuendos oh. for the, the i kind of have a dream and it can never happen but i dream that some of these actors would be able to come back today and make a movie today. And it'd be interesting to see what kind of subtext they could, you know, yeah. not have to deal with anymore. Yeah, they, they, they could just flat out do what they... Yeah, because, you know, Rock Hudson died of AIDS because he had to keep it a secret and yeah. you had uh, Cary Grant. And we've just discovered from his boyfriend some of his uh, documentation that they shared. And, you know, just all these secrets and stuff. And he also had uh, Anthony Perkins. He was uh, bisexual. Yeah, I think Cary Grant said he was bisexual. Yes, like, there's Cary an interview Grant where, he's, where Cary Grant was like, and I know you were getting at that, but he was kind of like, yeah, I don't even know anymore. Like, I don't, I don't know. All these, all these actors worked with Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. So you think he would have had to come up at some point. Probably. And I think it was very interesting how they just didn't speak about it. No. And how it... And even well, they weren't allowed happened, to speak about it. Even Audrey Hepburn played a last band in the children's hour. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting how they, they all skirted around the issue. And I thought they were more progressive than I give them credit for. Well, the people making the films, but not the industry. Yeah. People making the films definitely found their ways to get it mm-hmm. somehow in there or at least broach the subject. But as as we've mentioned, the the uh, what would become the MPAA cutting them back or making them cut the stuff out that even got too close. No, oh, yeah. Which sucks. Because mm-hmm. you would think they'd be able to express themselves how they want. No, but. for sure. And did you know, um, I don't know if this is a fun fact, but did you know that uh, Anthony Perkins' wife died in September 11th? She was on one of the planes. Oh, no, I did not know that. Yeah. It's certainly a fact. I don't know if it's fun for anyone. but uh, I know it's not really a fun fact, but it's a fun fact about yeah. death. Something is like, yeah, you know, no, I didn't know that she died on. on Anthony Perkins points. died in 1989, and he wrote a letter to his wife. And he said, You know, thank you for supporting my bisexuality, and uh, thank you to the children for understanding. And I'm not sure what their relationship was like, um, but I've always been curious. And, uh, and then, you know, she missed him terribly for 10 years, and then she died. So, yeah. That's sad. No, I know. It's a, it's an interesting. They're definitely love story, dedicated to each other. Then, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess I know if you love somebody, you'll be you'll be there for them regardless of what happens. Maybe that's what I liked about uh, uh, the Danish girl. Is that what that was called? The Eddie Redmayne and like Alicia Vikander. I liked their relationship. I don't know if I liked the movie as a whole. I this just uh, the Danish girl, the one where Eddie Redmayne um, is uh, transsexual. I don't know the proper terminology. No. Oh yes, I'm sorry. It the, just the, was the, 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 the Danish girl. Sh- yes, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I liked how they portrayed their relationship. I don't. I don't know if it was like. I don't know that that was the perfect movie, but it was definitely like there was layers to that. There was because she wasn't just portrayed as like. Oh, I'm gonna dutifully just follow whatever you want because you're my husband. Like you could tell she really loved him, but also 
caused her pain and they show they let they allowed you to see her pain and how oh, upset yeah. she was. Yes. I hope that more movies are made like that one, but maybe with transgender actors. Yeah. We have a lot. We have a lot that get used to work. So yeah. I understand it. So so I'm just I Because uh, right now it's only like Laverne Cox, right? But Laverne Cox from uh Yes, yes, yes. She, from Orange is the New Black. She's, she's like the amazing. only one did you know her um her brother? Yeah, her brother plays the male version of her he in the it, show. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a fun twist on that. But um but I know that the uh, Tiff there was this new movie about uh, transgender assassin. Oh. And uh and uh Dork Shelf uh tells us not to take it seriously. Oh. Because obviously, I guess the whole premise is not to be taken seriously. What but, I feel like I what's the name of that again? Now I don't remember the name of it. I do remember seeing that, and I feel like uh, Chloe Sevigny was doing a move or a show like that where she was a transgender. Oh yeah, there was a show about a transgender. Assassin. Yeah, but what's with all these transgender assassins? There's so many of them. Yeah, I don't know. But I guess they're trying to say that you know the next time we have a transgender assassin, make sure the person is actually transgender. And this, so it's a, a debate that people are having. Yep, I, I can definitely see why people would want that to be a thing where people can actually get work off of portrayals of themselves. <laughs> yes, um, seems to make sense. It's I guess what I, always frustrates people. I I think about it now when people. Sorry, I'm burping so much. When people complain like, "Oh, there's you know, you're mad that we didn't cast a." A Chinese or Korean or Japanese person in uh, Ghosts in the Shell, but there aren't any. No, there yeah. aren't any Asian actors. I'm like they're on TV. Just give them a chance. Like I like I can list a bunch of people who could have played that character. Like uh, right now, isn't like Jamie Chung is on Gotham season three, playing a ver- like either uh-huh. a, the mom or something of Vicky Vale. Either way, like there are actresses out there, but just you just need to give them that shot like you like they're already on tv they're a known quantity i mean jamie chung was in the hangover movies not that people loved those but she's she's a known quantity that could have been in that ghost in the shell movie or i just i just feel like yeah there's people out there who can do the work and just let them do it and don't use the excuse that like oh you know there's no one out there that can do it no, i agree i think from watching so many foreign films i really appreciate how many Freaking actors they are yeah. across the world that deserve these accolades and that will never get them because of obviously people are afraid of subtitles. So yeah, I just I just learned from Mongol media this morning that uh, some people are very intimidated by subtitles and they refuse to go to any foreign film at all. For me, I don't think that you shouldn't go to foreign films, but I think for me, what gets lost is nuance. Like no, I, I think. Because I I like Quentin Tarantino, so I like being able to see the wordplay and all that, which you do lose. Like, you can get the emotion of it, because if someone's doing a great job acting, like, yes, you're going to get that. And, like, movies like uh, City of God work. Like, I don't even think I was able to read all the subtitles, but I was able to just stick with it and love what was going on. I got the emotion of it and everything. But... And I'm not saying this is why people shouldn't see foreign films. I'm saying this is why I don't see as many as I should. Is because I miss out on the like even the cultural aspects of what's going on. Like, no, I understand. It's it's an important part of my work. Is that I have to make sure that I understand 
with that country, with that political climate of that country, is so I end up watching a lot of movies between Israel and Palestine, and uh, I have to I have to be mindful of the conflict. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I feel like once you watch a lot of movies, you understand. Yeah, what's you'll happening get to that culture. You'll get their cinematic shorthand mm-hmm. um, that way. But there's just so many movies, and like if you're like a Bollywood actor like it's actually you're taking a pay decrease to come to hollywood like they don't need hollywood i think what happens in uh quantico no but i, I don't watch many shows no, yeah. that aren't on but i guess that's the big that's the first big big name bollywood yeah. actress came over. and she probably did that because she was like oh like here's a challenge but like she definitely isn't making bollywood money like that's not no. it's not really a step up for her that's just a no, new audience yeah. now. Maybe she can bring them back over to the movies. Right? <laughs> Maybe she was bored with doing Bollywood. But like, I think Nigeria is another like film industry where like they don't need. I think Quebec is another one. I know it's Canadian, but like yeah. Quebec, Nigeria, and Bollywood. I think those are all film industries where like we don't really need your help. Like we don't need you. But like as you said, there's so many great actors out there that we're missing because we don't want to read subtitles. Mm-hmm. I'll take that on as uh, watching more subtitled movies. Well, yeah, I can help you with that. Um, but I think that one of the fun things about watching foreign films is you're like, you know, this guy did a better job than Sean Penn, or this guy did a better job than... Don't, don't touch Sorry, yeah. you can say that the yeah. actors did a better job than some of the actors that you already know, and then yeah. you just realize that you know, they would never get an Oscar, that kind of thing. Yeah, but is, yeah. The Osc- is an Oscar the be-all, end-all? Mm-hmm. For us, it is, but that's like that we're skewed to like what we think like our North American values. But those people probably, unless they're like Daniel Bruhl and they come over and start doing American movies, mm-hmm. they're probably like I, I get the respect I need from the people I'm who are seeing my movies. Can I tell you what makes me mad? Yes, please. Um, it makes me mad when they remake films. Uh, yeah, I feel like there's especially when they do it like so quickly. It seems yeah, like, like there's when no they point. Did the go with the dragon tattoo. I'm gonna say this: I appreciated the American one more than the Swedish one. For but they didn't finish. They didn't finish the. Dragon. Yeah, they didn't get the finish. But I think what I liked about it was, and I've seen both. I actually own both. The Swedish one assumes so much that you've read the book, and oh. it kind of and it kind of works like if you've read the book this scene helps like flesh out an idea or oh, at least like is a is a play on that scene oh, from this book yeah that's fine it's like you kind of like i was able to watch that american one and knowing what the differences were and just enjoy that as a narrative like i could and i know people blah, blah, whatever like and i yes i did see the american one first but i also appreciated that she seemed more empowered in the american one she didn't get beat up as much or like when she does she gets to go back and like exact her revenge twice i feel like in the swedish one she only gets to do it once and but like she gets beat up on more in the one and like and maybe that's just me i like superhero much but like she i was like oh man like she's kind of like an action hero in this like she's really like she can take care of herself and i appreciated that more and i also liked that nothing was I mean, to to the best of their ability, nothing was left to your imagination in terms of like being like, well, we all know how this scene plays out in the book, so we don't have to get into too much in this scene. It was like, no, here, like this is the book played out yeah. on the screen. I appreciated that. No, no, I know it's 
It just irritated me. That it's so close, though, that why I don't even know why you would do that. I feel like you got to yeah. wait a couple no, I mean, of decades. I'd be okay if they did the Daniel Quack one ten years. Okay, I'd be fine with that because it's about the time that you yeah we we do something. But it's like okay, we're gonna make this movie for all the stupid people that can't watch the Swedish film. Yeah, so and it didn't work out. They, they, I mean, I think when they even wanted to do the sequel, it was pretty much like. Well, we're not going to even be able to afford Daniel Craig. Like, we would have to cut his character out if we did a sequel. And I don't think they're going to. They're not going to finish it. No, I think they're done. They gave up, they gave up on it. That's smart, though. They, they don't need to. They don't need to. Do now, now people have to go watch the originals. <laughs> yeah, no. But I wonder if they will make. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but they just released a new book from the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. Mm-hmm. It was half written by a new person. Yeah. Because the man died. But it'll be interesting to see if they make a movie of that. Probably the Swedish one. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh there was one uh I think it was called Death at a Funeral. It was like this British comedy. And then they made it an American version and then it was for lack of a better term, all black cast. And I was just like except for that Peter Dinklage plays the same character in both. Well, Peter Dinklage is in the British version and in the uh, American one and plays the same character. But uh, so I was like, oh, so there's not going to be any uh, surprise there. But like it, he's a he's a twist character. And I was just like, that's so quick. Like, I feel like it was done within two years. And, and I was like, Brad Church. Brad Church was or British doing... and then it was American and David Tennant played the same person. Oh, huh. I just I, didn't really, I, I started accent. watching it on. Netflix, but I only saw the British one. I didn't realize they had an American one. Yeah, skip the American one. Right, well, I'm not going to see fine. it. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's just without his accent. But it's, I think we can both agree House of Cards is probably better. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it isn't. It's too hard for people to understand. The British accent. I don't get one. I mean, as a Canadian, we we get we grow up with so much uh, British comedy that I yeah, can't, yeah. I don't... I can't. I don't believe people when like I don't understand. Whereas Americans, yeah, they just watch American stuff, so it it is different. Like it's a different accent. But to me, it's so easy to pick up on just because. Like, well, also my mom grew up in England, so like I'm just used to speaking that or people speaking that way. So mm-hmm. it's easier for me to pick up on. Um, we made it through. It didn't freeze anymore. Um, I mean, do. Do people sometimes not talk about the ending? Because I guess we should have talked about no, the No, we don't. There are, more mov- there are more episodes that don't even acknowledge that the movie ended that oh, do. Well. There's, there's some episodes where we talk about the movie. How like, long is the podcast? Probably going to be like 2.15. I'm happy to hear that it will be approximately the same. That's yeah. That, there's, yeah. I mean, I'll have to put a disclaimer that some of it got chewed up. But as I said... I only know one person who actually tries to watch it and listen at the same time. Otherwise, I think people are just happy to hear the conversation. No, I mean, I was, I was surprised at how fast time went by. Yeah, if you're having a good time, the, the time yeah, will... Thank you for having me. And, oh, um, thank you for to doing do this. It again. Oh, definitely. We can, find a, we can find another movie to do it again. Maybe, so. we'll, maybe we'll do a foreign film <laughs> so I can keep my word and actually watch a foreign film. Yes. All um, right. I can give you some really boring ones if you want. No, to. don't, don't. Give me the good ones. Like I, I have a six hour boring one. No, thank you. Yes, I know. That's, <laughs> that's the right answer. All right. We do shake hands on the podcast. Yes, we're shaking hands now. Thank you very much for doing this. And thank you. All right. Uh, wait. No. Sometimes, do you have social media that you want people to hit you up? I know you have Twitter. 
Um, yes, you can follow me on Twitter. I don't know how you say what your Twitter is, but it's Michael D. Mitty at Twitter. Yep. And that'll and, uh, I'll put that up on the site if people... And if you find him, we're Facebook friends, so yep. you can add me to any time. And uh, just give me a shout if you want to talk about uh, accessibility or foreign films. I exactly. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. This has been a tdf everything.tumblr.com production. You feel me, blood?